welcome to the 202nd episode of The Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is a podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And I just finished talking about all three CG Resident Evil movies. So they were really cool. I like them better than the live action ones, which I haven't seen all the live action. And I'm debating, should I try it again? But you can hear about those. And then uh, starting this week, I'm going to go back to the classic comic book story arc that I've been uh, wanting to read for reread for a while. So you can join in on that. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. All right, so this week, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of news. Um, and I think it probably, I, yeah, so this should be fairly quick. Um, this episode might be a little quicker. Um, I, I'm just going to jump to it. You know what, what I'm going to talk about. You know, I'm going to talk about Black Widow, which I'm so excited about. And everything, but with the the news, you know, we, we did have Fourth of July on on Sunday, so Monday, so there there wasn't a whole lot of news since things tend to, to slow down a, a little bit. But one thing that I, I guess I'll start with this one thing I talked about last week was a uh, Tomorrow War that movie, and I guess the sequel is in the works. Uh, I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, the 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 movie I thought was okay. I don't think it got the best reviews. It got okay reviews, but I guess. It uh, is, has done well streaming-wise for Amazon. You know, I don't know if they've released the numbers, but they said it was their top streaming thing or whatever. And you know, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know, people are watching. They're like, "Oh, Chris Pratt movie. Oh, this big, you know, big budget looking sci-fi movie, or whatever." So it was fine and everything. It, you know, I, I, I do think it's it's worth watching if you're into that. You know, those type of movies and everything. But I, I mean. I guess they they may have an idea. I just I don't see you know with the way it ended. I I feel like we don't need a sequel, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't have one. So you know they, they could always bring up something more. But that's the thing when whenever you know because there's time travel involved and it's a tomorrow war. You know if you know what's about it's this war that's happening in the future. So you know there are people from today are trying to you know help to fight to stop the war and stuff like that. It's just kind of like with Terminator type of thing where, you know, just because you stop this future of whatever thing from happening, it doesn't mean that things, not, you know, you're creating a new timeline now. So just because they did this one thing, possibly, I don't want to spoil things, you know, there, there could always be something else that, that happens. And uh, the one thing like, hey, this is going to save everything. Maybe that's not the only um, catalyst that that started everything off because it it seems like it would be more than just one thing one place which i'm trying not to spoil it if you've seen it you know what i'm talking about but so we'll see but it's then it's like oh wait just when you thought it was over get ready to enlist again so, i don't know but i mean i'll watch it probably that i and i think they they want to try to get like the all the, the main players back again so there's that. I mean, it, it, that's better than, you know, they're not going to do just like some 
some cheap sequel with a new cast and then it's just like that obviously you know feels like it's a cash grab oh one th- i guess i should mention uh sad news richard donner passed away you know he was 91 and uh you know, he he did a lot of amazing things, and you know, obviously the, the first thing that that comes to mind for me is Superman the movie. You know, Christopher Reeve, and just his vision. You know, so I, I you know I saw a lot of people talking about that and everything. Who you know who who gets more? Cra- I mean, obviously it was, it was Richard Donner's vision and setting things up, but I also look at you know a lot of it was was Christopher Reeve. Was it you know Donner's direction saying hey act like this act like this you know do this and say this I mean obviously you can't just say it's all Christopher Reeve but the performance also I mean you know I I still get sad when I think about you know Christopher Reeve passing away and and you know everything that happened you know before and but I mean he's just I I, I so I watched it again uh, was it Monday and Christopher Reeve is such a great Superman such a great Clark Kent and you know. I love Henry Cavill as an actor. You know, I, I think he, you know, he could be a really good Superman. But there's just something about Christopher Reeve, and and you know, it's a different era, different time. Uh, but man, it's it's just it's just so good. So that's sad. You know, Richard Donner had just done other things like you know Goonies and you know which whatever. So it's just uh, so there's there's that 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 that's sad. Um, but you know, he was 91, so yeah. Marvel News, uh, Kevin Feige has mentioned. So this is kind of interesting. He's saying that they're, they're not going to do any more like the multi-film deals. Because, you know, like in the past, you know, we, we had actors signing up for like six movie deals, you know, in their contracts or nine movie deals like, you know, Sam Jackson, stuff like that. But they're basically they're not going to do that anymore. And I'm sure part of it is to maybe save them some money because, you know, they're not having to promise like this huge, you know, crazy amount in order to lock them in. The, the downside is they're probably going to have to, you know, if, if they want to do another movie, they're going to have to, like, negotiate, you know, just because if you sign someone on for one movie, then you're like, hey, we want to do a sequel. Are you interested? And they might be like, oh, I don't know, you know, you know, so you could have all that. But I think their idea, you know, what, what he says is they, they kind of want people who want to be there, you know, people who are excited about the character or the universe or, you know, just making those movies. And, you know, you always see all these these, uh, you know, news sound bites or whatever, where different people are like, yeah, I'd love to be in a Marvel movie or a DC movie or something like that. So there's so many hungry people that would love to do it, but at the same time, and, and, you know, they are entitled to their fair share, you know, let's, let's be honest. If a movie is going to make a billion dollars, then, you know that has something. To, yeah, it has something to say with the characters and the production and the story and the visuals. You know, all all that stuff. But a large part depends on the character. If the character doesn't, if they don't, if the actor doesn't convince us, then it, it's not going to be much. You know, like I, you know, which I'll talk about Black Widow. I mean, Scarlett Johansson did a did an awesome job. I mean, I love her as Black Widow, and uh, you know. If we had someone else within this particular movie, how would it have been? I don't know. So, you know, there, there's something to be said there. But hopefully this this process will work where people will want to keep coming back. And, you know, you have Chris Hemsworth where, you know, his his deal is over. You know, he, he was done, but he's like, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to do more. That's good. And I don't know. So, like I said, maybe they just need to negotiate more later to try to convince them but hopefully people just want to do it and and, you know they enjoy doing it so we'll see what happens speaking of marvel and and dc 
they Marvel Studios and DC are skipping San Diego Comic Con at home, which I think is happening. I don't think it's this week. I think it's, I have like the twenty third in my head, and I I don't want to call up my calendar to look at when that is, but it is coming up soon. And um, I mean the same as last year. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I'm not sure how much I'll report on it. I mean I'll, I'll probably do some, but it just seems weird for me that I'm reporting on something that you know everyone has equal access to. It's not like I'm getting special access that I'm reporting. And it's not like I'm doing something that's like my own, that I'm doing my own spin when I report it. I mean, I could interpret things differently. But even by, by that time, you know, if there's like some panel or some you know new trailer or new whatever, by the time I get around to, you know, writing and, you know, putting my, my thoughts into words and posting, it's like everyone's already seen it unless you are working and you missed it or, you know, something like that. Or, or if you just want to hear what I have to say, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's such a bummer that it's not happening again. I mean, on the one hand, you know, a very small part of me is kind of relieved because, you know, going is, is exhausting and it's going to be weird going back to that first convention after, you know, two years off it's going to it's going to be like a wake up call it's going to be like you know if you haven't worked out in 2 years and then you're going to try running a triathlon or something like that you're going to be like oh so we'll see but I, I don't know but uh, uh they're not going to do anything there and i i guess they they probably don't really have much to say and then just to try to do to coordinate you know cuz dc's got fandom you know pretty sure i think i reported that coming back and i don't know if d23 is still happening in august so there's probably because you know what what can Marvel really say? You know they they have things announced since so much stuff has been pushed back. You know we already know about you know Eternals and Shang Chi coming out this year, Venom if you want to include that, and then you know we have Doctor Strange and we have Love and Thunder. You know there's another Spider Man which I think is this year. So it's like what what new you know there's Blade that hasn't even started yet, and I don't know. But what we do have coming up is uh, What If. So a trailer came out, and so we see that's, what was it, August 11th, I think? I, I don't know the date off the top of my head. So um, that looks like it could be interesting. Uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of interesting uh, mashups, it seems like. Because, you know, there's, uh, like, what if uh, Killmonger saved Tony Stark type of thing. So to me, it kind of felt like, Let's do all these random mashups, you know, from the MCU just to shake things up, which, you know, again, that could be cool to see and all that. But it just kind of feels like it's like forced pairings because I was there like Star-Lord and Black Panther or something. I don't remember now, but uh, Chadwick Boseman, this is going to be like his, I guess, his last performance, you know, before he had passed. So that'll be uh, that'll be kind of hard, but cool. And. Yeah, so we'll see how, how that goes. Uh, but I mean, in the animation, I, I kind of like the the style. It's it's a little different, so it looks looks slick. So okay, I'm looking forward to that. Speaking of animation, I don't know why I didn't realize this, but there's another Transformers uh, series. I, I know it's a trilogy. I thought we already had three. Did we only have two parts? Because there's a Transformers War for Cybertron trilogy. So next one is Kingdom, and while you know, I, I really like the the animation style for for this. I don't know about this because you know we have Predacons and Maximals or whatever. I I never got into Beast Wars, and I, I think I mentioned that last week. Um, 
was that what I was talking about? Was I t anyways? Because we know there's gonna be Optimus Primal. Maybe that was this. I thought they were doing like another uh, live action Transformer movie. I don't even know what I was talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about now. But yeah, so uh, Beast Wars trans you know Transformers are turning into animals. It just I don't know. I I, I can see how th that to me that's like something like kids would be like, oh, this is cool. But for me, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. That's coming out on July 29th. So, I, I mean, I feel like I watched the other ones and covered it, so I have to do these too. We'll see how, how to go. Hopefully, there's not a lot coming out. And uh, hopefully, it comes out like on Wednesday, like whatever, so I, I can watch those and have everything recorded by the weekend so I don't get like behind. But we'll see about that. Uh, Boba Fett, where? Damore Morrison, he mentioned uh, four directors that are going to be working on, on the season. So we're going to have Robert Rodriguez, which makes sense, and we're going to have John Favreau, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Dave Filani. So no big surprises there, but it's cool because all of them did great jobs in The Mandalorian, like the episodes they directed and everything like that. And uh, he says that, you know, there's no talk of a season two yet. So it, maybe they're just going to see how things go. You know, uh, obviously a lot of people like Boba Fett, but are they going to want to watch a Boba Fett you know, show, you know, on, on top of the Mandalorian? You know, uh, how are they going to be similar, different? You know, obviously they, they have they should have different vibes. So we'll, we'll see. But I as you know, I love Boba Fett. So I'm, I'm excited for that. I would I would love to see a season two. But. We'll see. Um, and, you know, maybe it just doesn't work out because, you know, we, we've always had Boba Fett in such small doses and then now we're going to get, like, his own show. But if it means more Fennec Shand as well, I'm down with that. So we shall see. Um, and then uh, Last of Us. So apparently season one is going to be 10 episodes, they've mentioned. And I, I think that, that just, like, start filming. I think they, they just started production on that. So... We, we have that coming up. And uh, the last bit of news is uh, Lovecraft Country. Did I mention this already? I feel like I did. Did I talk about this last week? I think I did talk about it last week. I'm trying to think of when this news broke. I'm so like out of it now. It's worth mentioning again if I didn't. So, yeah, there's no season two. I think I feel like I did talk about this. I remember trying to say Lovecraft Country. I was like, yeah. So yeah, it's not so like I probably mentioned last week. This is old news. It's not coming back for season two. But then the whole question is like, is it canceled or is it just not renewed? Yeah, I feel like there's two different things, and I don't know how they. I don't remember how they worded it. But from what I saw, it sounded like they didn't have a story. And again, I know I'm re probably repeating myself, but yeah, if there's no story, you can't. You shouldn't force it just because you know everyone loves it. Because then if we get something that's crap then people are going to be complaining even more and, and you know, and, and HBO, whoever is going to lose a lot of money. So if there's no story, just hold off and then maybe they can get the band back together later. I don't know. But um, since I think I already talked about that, that is going to be the news for the week. Okay. Comic books at image. I'm going to start with skybound X number one. So I, I, I realize I, I tend to not cover skybound books for, for some reason, I, I tend to miss them, and then I just get behind, and it's just like, okay, whatever. But Skybound X came out. Rick Grimes 2000, that's the whole reason. When, when I, I Somehow I never heard about this before. 
because I saw Ryan Otley, he posts like a sketch cover and like Rick Grimes basically is like a superhero or something. I'm like, what? So I, I and he's talking about Rick Grimes 2000. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? So I just did a Google and I, it was like probably fandom or whatever. There was like, there's like a, a wiki page for Rick Grimes 2000. And I think it said it was an issue 75 of Walking Dead. And I'm trying to think when I was reading that, um, I don't remember. I, I think I was reading the single issues at 75. I know when I caught, caught up, I was getting the hardcover trades, which were super cool. And I wish I kept going, but those things were like 30 bucks, 34 bucks each. And I think I got to like issue 60 at least. Because uh, I think I got five trades and there's 12 issues each. So I don't, I don't remember ever hearing it. So if it was like it's issue 75, I should know about this. But so, so basically the idea with, with this is Rick Grimes wakes up and he's on an alien ship type of thing or, or something like that. And it turns out this isn't really spoilers because, you know, this is all out there. But the, the whole zombie apocalypse was because of aliens, that they orchestrated it as a... I mean, there's there's a reason they targeted Earth or whatever, something that they're after. And again, this may be common knowledge already. And because you know, like when Rick gets up out of bed, he's he's like, you know, he's like, where am I? And he sees like there's this like costume, whatever. So he he puts that on, which is why he's dressed kind of like as a superhero. And then, you know, he goes to Earth and you see like different things happening. And uh, it's like some people are, are brought back or they're like reanimated somehow. And um, one like we see a couple like major characters get killed like right off the bat, which is, I was just like, why? <laughs> and Rick has someone big to go up against. And uh, it's just, <laughs> I mean, it's such a bizarre idea and I love it. Uh, but yeah, it's just, just so weird and, and wacky. And, uh, but the, the problem with this skybound X, this is basically like an anthology series. So you're only getting bits of it every week. I think it's coming out every week because there is a, Oh, what what else is in this book? I know there's a Clementine story from the uh, the Walking Dead Telltale games, but then there is also um, a Manifest Destiny story, which I never read that because uh, at Comic Vine, that other guy, what's his name? Just kidding. He you know he read the books and you know he he was doing uh, the reviews for that, so I. I, it sounds like an interesting book, and it's the one that's like, man, I, I got to read that some. So it's like on my list, you know, someday. When comics stop, when all comics cease production, publication, and then I have time to catch up, I'll be playing those. At the same time, when video games stop, stop being made, and I go back to play my PlayStation 1 or PlayStation 2 games, 3 and 4, that I've never finished. But anyways, so there's a... a Manifest Destiny story, and there's also Ultra Mega, which I don't even know what that is i somehow totally i lost i missed out on that so eh, it was i mean so that, that's the thing i i would i just wanted to read this for the R R rick grimes 2000 you know because it's, it's by robert kirkman and ryan otley so i mean that that's cool there but we're looking at a five dollar book for the other stuff so like the clementine story and i don't know if, if that's just the one thing because i think she's getting her own series is is what it sounded like uh and um by Tilly Walden, I, I believe, who does a story on art, I believe. So I don't think like her story is going to continue in here. So like I don't, I don't even know what's in next week. I mean, I guess I could try to look it up. Yeah, I like I said, it's it's for me. I I kind of wish that 
Rick Grimes 2000 was like in its own book because, you know, I don't want to have to read these other things because, you know, like it doesn't make sense for me to read a Manifest Destiny story if I haven't um, read yet. Oh, so now I'm looking at issue two. Dang it. Second chapter um, of Rick Grimes 2000 plus the debut of a major new Stillwater character surprising Coda to the, the Birthright Saga and the first appearance of Everyday Hero Machine Boy. So it sounds like they're suckering me into you know reading these other ones. So we'll see. <laughs> but like I said, it's it's. I mean, if, if you're into the Skybound books, obviously it's a no-brainer that you're going to want to read that. But uh, I just wish the Walking Dead part was a little longer because then I, I could say that alone is worth the cover price, but it's almost worth the cover price. I mean, five bucks for, you know... I forget how many pages, but it's not like a full length story because obviously there was Geiger number three. So I'm, I'm really interested in, in this. You know, I don't know where this series is going. So, you know, we have, have this dude, we see what happened. He turned into this, I don't even know what you'd call him, but I mean, there's, there's been like nuclear fallout. So, you know, it's not safe to go out in the world, but we have this dude who uh, we, we can call him Geiger or whatever, where he, somehow absorbed the you know the radiation everything like that he's got these rods that you know he he keeps like in his back not in his back actually but behind him and anyways that gives him like his human form with, with not the the glowing radioactive form but we have we have this uh this i don't even know you're not a colony but we have a city that's under control of you know this king this kid and what's interesting is we see a little bit more we see um we see the queen there so he's not is he is he already calling him a king or is he a prince anyways we're getting more information so geiger is helping these two kids that have, that have escaped las vegas that's where the the king dude is and we're just seeing a little bit more you know glimpses of the past but then what what is kind of cool in a way as as they're they're driving to safety you know he's reluctantly helping these kids because you know he's thinking back to his family and everything as they they start getting attacked by these scavenger people who basically they um i forget what they're called now but they basically they they harvest the parts of the bodies and what they can't take they eat so they're cannibals and whatever like that so we get to see some fighting, some action, stuff like going on, going on, but things don't go too well. And at the end, um, let's just say like a, another party is introduced, and so it's like where what what's going to happen. So, and you may have seen the cover to the next issue, you know, through the solicits and everything like that. So you know you have an idea what I'm talking about, where this is might be going. And so it's it's just it's it's interesting, it's intriguing, and this is the fun thing about these image books to create our own books, where you know it's something in its own little universe and you have no idea what's going on and you know as much as i love you know marvel and dc books and you know reading batman and spider-man whatever but you know you read a spider-man issue you know you're you're not going to get any big surprises you know there may be a new character introduced but it's not something like this where we have no idea what is coming around the corner in this world because everything is new and fresh and and if i i think they there was talk of like like another spin-off book in the same world or whatever that's not quite the same thing you know yeah there, there's gonna be some established uh boundaries and stuff but 
there's still like so much like anything goes because you know there's there's no telling what what happened. Like this Geiger character, he could end up dying at the end of the series, and then it goes off in a different direction and and deals with something else. And so, anyways, it's it's just really good, you know. So Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, you know, it's um, you you can't go go wrong with with this. So I'm just um really curious as to what's going to happen. Oh, I think that they were the Oregon people, the people that, that attacked them. So, so it's pretty cool. And then we have uh, the Good Asian issue three. So I'm I'm really um really fascinated with this book because it feels like in some way it we're we're getting like a, a very light history lesson on the way it was for Asians back in this time. I forget what what the time period is. It's like it's the 30s, 40s. I don't remember. It's really bad that I'm I'm blanking on that, but you know, just seeing how bad things were, you know, and you know, you don't really think about that. And it's something that, even though it may have been talked about in history books or whatever, but you know, you don't really see it so much. And so we we have uh, this dude Hark, where he's an actual you know police officer, which is is like almost unheard of that you know you have an an Asian police officer or uh, Oriental police officers, as they keep saying. And, you know, the other people, because, you know, they, they, they want him to work in Chinatown. Basically, they, they want him to kind of rat out, uh, you know, the other people and, like, what's going on. And, you know, he is able to get access and get close to, you know, hit, hit the community and everything like that. But there's also other, you know, there's a mystery going on as to, you know, like, what the death of the, not his father, but the guy that raised him after his mother died and everything. So we, we're getting, you know, some little bits of information and that. And... Uh, I'm just just really I, I'm I'm digging the book and and this one you know there is a kind of lot going on this, with this issue but I'm still really curious and I'm 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 enjoying this. Then there was Carmen issue five, so this is the last issue, and I I really enjoyed this series. I have to say you know not this since this is the last issue five or the five issue miniseries or whatever you want to call it. So this is Guillaume March's book. You know he wrote it and drew it and. Uh, it's at the beginning. I I wasn't really sure what I thought about it because you know it it starts off with this young lady committing suicide and unfortunately you know as as she's being guided by Carmen who's sort of like an angel or something you know emissary whatever I don't even know what what she's referred to I, I don't know if they've maybe they've said it and I'm just oblivious but as she's being guided along like in between as to like her final destination whatever you know she's completely naked because she was naked in the bathtub when she tried killing herself so you know you, you get a lot you know the first issue it's it seemed like there's a lot of nudity was it gratuitous yes and no not really you know it wasn't like sexual in nature or anything like that but it's just you know that it was there eventually you know she does end up putting on like a, a someone's sports um coat and everything like that so you know she's not it's not as blatant, but it's just really intriguing as she's seeing like what life is like, you know, where she can't interact with anyone. And, and then she's, she starts finding out things about her life and everything like that. And that's where things start changing. And, and it's like, you know, should she have killed herself? And I, I actually, you know, no one should kill themselves. You know, we, we shouldn't do that no matter how down we all get at times or anything like that but so it's intriguing to see like where it goes and then towards the end you're like oh man is there any hope for her to come back out of this you know is she completely dead or is she still in some sort of limbo you know because she's not at her because we we you know we get the impression that this journey you know this isn't like permanent this is just like the temporary thing until she reaches her final destination whatever you want to call it 
and then, and then we you know we see see a little bit more because basically you know what Carmen is kind of doing guiding her along or whatever or showing her things you know it's she's not exactly following the rules but she's not really one that follows the rules and so we find out a little bit more about that and um, I really enjoyed this issue it, it there's some some nice moments in there you know that there's a dude who um, unfortunately was going to propose to this girl that worked at I think she was at a coffee shop that you know he would go to her every day and they clearly liked each other and everything like that but he was killed before you know he had a chance to you know give her a ring and, and so there, there's a little little follow-up with that and so there, there is some nice things with, with this issue and I have to say I just I really enjoyed it overall and I didn't wasn't really sure if I was going to at the beginning but it was a uh, definitely an interesting uh, story uh, also what came out this week is a uh, middle west uh, complete tail hardcover so uh this is a little pricey it's it has a 60 dollars retail price but it is hardcover and it does have 18 issues it's it's got a young i need um i need to read this because like i said i i think i read the first issue and then i missed the second issue then i got the third issue then it's like okay i gotta track down the second and then it just more and more came out and then so i i need to um to read this now is this yeah this is out okay july 7th it, it came out i'm looking at uh previews because it says advanced solicit but it is out so the in case you haven't read this you're not sure when a violent storm levels his sleepy middle west town abel and his childhood companion fox must hastily flee into a world of mystical carnies and soothsayer soothsayer hobos <laughs> bridge trolls and wilderness spirits endless forests and forgotten children so um it's just it's it's I need to read this because one it's Scotty Young and two I was really interested in the first issue and I'm like been kicking myself and I know there's really no excuse why I haven't gotten caught up that's just I just haven't just I'm a flake I guess and just all the time no time and everything anyways um, I am caught up or keeping caught up with Noctura issue five. So this was really interesting. When I was reading this, I almost had to go back. It's like, wait a minute, what happened in issue four? And that's how scatterbrained I, I kind of get. You know, there's I just feel like there's so much going on or whatever. But with this, they um, so where it ended, you know, they they, they reached their fi- final destination. I'm using it that again, and and you know Val, her her brother Emmett is not doing so well because he's infected and it's getting worse. And, you know, they're, they're, she's trying to transport this girl because her, was it her grandfather? Was, you know, they asked for passage to get to this place to, to go to her. Was it her uncle? Her, it wasn't her dad. Anyways, her grandfather's brother. Oh, jeez. Anyways, so they, they get to this place. And so then the question is, is this a safe place? Uh, can her brother be saved? And, we you know, we, we get some more flashbacks as to when they were uh, sort of rescued from their house, when this uh, dark... I, I know I've realized I haven't talked about what this issue, what this comic is about. I'm assuming you know if you've been listening. I mean, unless this is like your first uh, episode or first episode in a while and you haven't been reading Nocturne or not, because this is a Scott Snyder, Tony Daniel comic, which I know I, I should be saying that with, with each issue. But so, yeah, so basically the world is covered in darkness. There's these creatures that live in the darkness that feed upon people and there is no sun the, the sun is gone you know there's this event happened when the main character bell when she was a, a little girl so there there's a it's 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 cool that the the story is building the world is building and you know things look like they're going to be potentially calm and safe 
you know, as, as safe as, as it can be, but obviously something is going to happen. So I'm, I'm, I'm really in, enjoying the, this, this series. Then there is a ordinary gods issue one. This, um, is from Kyle Higgins and, uh, Philip Wat, Watanbe is, does the art. So the solicit says for fans of the old guard and God country comes extra length. First issue of a century-spanning action epic from Kyle Higgins and Philip Watanbe. The Luminary, the Prodigy, the Brute, the Trickster, the Innovator, five gods from a realm beyond our own, leaders of the War of Immortals, at least they were before they were trapped, sent to a planet, made into a prison, forced into an endless cycle of human death and reincarnation, Christopher is 22. He's got two loving parents and a 12-year-old sister. He works at a paint store. He's in therapy. So I haven't read the solicit. I just read the issue. So I'm, I'm, I'm always curious to see like how much is given away and how much I should talk about. So he, he works at a paint store. He's in therapy. He's one of the five, which means in order to save everyone he cares about, Christopher will have to reconnect with his past lives to do unthinkable, become a god again. See, that I think is some spoilers right there. Because... Uh, when, when you read this, you know, you, you see some background about these gods. And at first I'm like, wait, what's going on? And it, it was a, a little weird. So it kind of seems like these gods are being reborn into people because it, it starts off. There's like this uh, shootout, there's, you know, a hit going out in some dude. And, and there's some god people involved because like, you know, as one dies, you see that the god emerges and to go into a new host body or something like that. But then we see this guy, Christopher, it starts out with him in therapy talking about things. And we... Um, See, like, his, like, normal life, he just seems like a regular kid and everything. You know, he's still working at, or still living at home, and and uh, things kind of get bonkers in a, in a bit, and it, um, I, I don't really want to go more into it. So, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting that, from what this says, is, you know, he may be one of the guys, he, but maybe he doesn't know it is is going to be the, the, the kicker I, I believe here so it's um it's definitely you know intriguing to see like what's going to happen and 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 all that so yeah that, that i would say that that that's interesting um one comic i didn't mention last week i meant to so archie comics release uh what was it the shield issue one so i think it's a shield and mighty crusaders a shield or whatever the the full title is and um there, there was a bit of controversy around this series, you know. Rob, so Rob Liefeld was, I think he was writing it. Was he writing it, writing it, and drawing it? He's definitely drawing it. And then he ended up leaving, I think, the fifth issue or something like that. He was upset because a big twist was spoiled. There, they, there was like a, a spoiler co- variant cover that wasn't supposed to be shown or something like that, and it was released or it, the image came out so he was upset that and then he basically kind of quit the book even though he drew like the final his final issue or whatever issue and someone else was going to plot it or you know what scripted or i don't know i don't really know the whole details and everything so you know reading the first issue the art is is you know it's, it's rob liefeld art so you know either you like it or you don't and you know it it seems fine and and yes there are some feet you know he he can draw feet you know people say that so whatever you know yeah i'm not gonna go into into that uh but this the story i'm it's it's a it's a little weird um just you feel like you're kind of thrown in and you know i'm sure that's part of the intention maybe 
is you know because we we see the different members of the mighty crew now i remember like the reading the you know these characters before because there was a series that came out must have been like 10 years ago 10 15 years no maybe less than 15 years ago because remember my my daughter was was reading it she was really enjoying the the mighty crusaders uh issues from archie and uh, so, you know, I, I kind of read some of them as, as well. So I'm, I'm, you know, familiar with these characters. I know that they had, they've been around forever, you know, the longest time. But here, when we see the different members of the Mighty Crusaders as they're get, they're like from different dimensions, different Earths, it seemed like. So I'm like, okay, what's going on? And we have the main character, the shield. And yeah, so, and then with, with what was potentially spoiled on the cover, I'm not really sure what was spoiled, um, and I maybe I shouldn't spoil or say my theories. I, I don't know if it's been like really. I don't really know what 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 the thing is. But there's yeah. I shouldn't even say anything. But um, I don't really see what the spoiler is if if there was one. And I haven't put the pieces together. So I don't know. Um, will I read the next issue? I might might read the next one. I I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. It, it just it was. The first, for first issue, it was okay. You know, it didn't immediately grab me, but um, but I, I I think it's more just because of the characters. It's the same thing with um, like Snake Eyes, uh, Dead Game, which which came out this week. You know, I was reading it just because of the characters. I didn't read issue five. I, ha- I haven't read the last couple issues, and maybe I should uh, give it another shot. But when there was like all this stuff with like gods, and there was kind of like a Thor type character, and I just don't understand what that has to do with GI Joe or snake eyes. It just, it seemed like it was too much and it, it just, it didn't seem like it was grounded in reality. Like the GI Joe comics have been, that's the stories have been and, and maybe things were more explained in other issues. And, and then, you know, snake eyes wearing this red costume. It's like, wait a minute, you're not Deadpool, you're snake eyes. And I know some people are digging the red costume and I, I don't really know. So, uh, yeah, I, I may, and go back and, and try reading these these other issues because uh this last one which was interesting i i think i reported about this so the finale of superstar rob liefeld's epic tale uh on gi joe is here can snake us wait i thought there this was the one where there's like a bunch of artists in there and it, it seemed weird that there's like all these other creators involved and and i wasn't sure why that was i mean i had my my ideas but whatever so there is that. And then um, I didn't read anything else. Uh, let's see. Buffy Vampire Slayer 27 came out, which I still haven't gone back to, to check those out. So I don't know. All right. So uh, with DC, Batman 110 came out. And <laughs> this 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 series, I, you know, I, I love I love what James Tynan is doing. But, man, this story is just really kind of bugging me because... So we're we're seeing like the formation of the magistrate, and you know, with with what we saw in Future State, which I didn't like that story, but we're seeing kind of like the birth of it now, and we have this one dude who was uh, a a guard at Arkham Asylum. He became like the the first um, protector dude or whatever. What did they they called? Anyways, they're fighting Batman, and um, this this dude Simon, I think his name is. You know, he's. He's trying to 
get at the mayor because the mayor is like anti-vigilantes, like hardcore anti-vigilantes. So he's like kind of like in his ear saying, hey, we have this magistrate program. You know, we can you need you, you know, I can help you. We The police can't handle all this. We need to stop all these costume, you know, heroes or villains regardless, you know, and everything like that. So, you know, he's basically trying to get the permission to unleash do whatever he wants so this guy's like very very sketchy and and he's even like caused some he's he's setting things up to push the mayor into giving him uh permission to go forward which again is is that that just bugs me because it's just like this dude is 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 he evil i mean yeah he's does he have, I mean, it's, maybe it's just a matter of he's doing it for greed, you know, because he wants, he wants the funding to continue or he just wants the power and the control. But, uh, so, so Batman's fighting this, this dude who has like some cybernetics and, you know, he's enhanced and, and he's just, we, we find out because, uh, he's, he wasn't a role model guard at Arkham because Harley's like that dude. She's like, I, I, he's been causing problems back when, when I was a doctor there and, yeah, it's just, mm. and then uh, then there's also the I like Ghostmaker. It's it's weird. I like his story here. The backup story with him, it's okay, you know. And I, I get it. It's to help flesh him out a little bit more, and it's it's fine. But I'm I'm not digging that as much as as his appearance in the main story. I don't know what it is. Okay, then there is Batman Fortnite point um, zero point issue six. Batman and Catwoman are trying to figure out how they can um, escape from this Fortnite world or whatever because Destro kind of kind of tricked them. They, it has to do with there's this device and it has to be able to lock into like their energy signatures of people from the same world. But then he like betrayed him, took off, so they're kind of stuck there. But then they realize like, oh, there's this uh, this lady dressed like as a as a clown, which Harley, she's there. But then what? when they get to her, she's able to talk. So all the people in the, in the Fortnite world where it, things are being reset every 22 minutes or whatever, they can't talk, but Harley can. So she kind of she kind of has her memories or whatever, and um, but she doesn't want to leave because she's just ha- enjoying like what, what's going on there. So it's like, can they, they go back without her or should they leave her there? Is, you know, cause is she making a, a wise choice or whatever? And Catwoman at one point, she's even, because, you know, they don't have their full memory. She's like, you know, maybe we should just stay here. We have a life together. We're together. Who knows what's going on in the other world? You know, maybe we're enemies. Maybe, you know, we're married and have different lives or whatever. But here we're together. We know there's some connection there. So, um, so basically things get resolved. And then I will say it does kind of, so this is the last issue. It does definitely end where it could potentially lead into another another issue and uh with uh i guess i'll spoil i don't know if i should spoil it it could i'll just spoil it it could lead possibly lead into because i don't know if there's anything if that will come of it i don't think anything's been announced but it kind of makes it feel like like oh maybe we could see a Fortnite with superman because something happens in metropolis i'll just say that so there uh, whatever um then there's batman secret files the signal Man, I don't. I used to like Duke Thomas. I don't really care for him as a signal, and his costume. I don't know how I feel about it. I still don't know how I feel because you know this. So much yellow. 
it just seems impractical. You know, I always try to, which I shouldn't, you know, you, you try to think of what would these characters look like as live action. And, and, you know, it absolutely would not work as, you know, most characters wouldn't, wouldn't look right in, in live action, but there's just so much yellow. And on the one hand, you know, in here, Batman's kind of like, okay, you're going to be operating during the day. So that's fine. If he's, you know, wearing bright yellow, cause at night, may not be the best choice there's oh another thing that, that kind of bothered me he's uh, duke is is like sparring with cassandra kane and she would be kicking his butt i'm i'm sorry you know but it's it's like they're uh pretty much like toe-to-toe or whatever and i don't know if she was holding back but it's just like seemed kind of kind of silly and i i'm still not totally sure about his powers and exactly, I know there was that other that signal series that came out. I'm not really sure where they came from. I think he's just some sort of metahuman, and it just developed. Is is that what it is? And I know I should stupidly, I should just like look it up. I shouldn't have to just look it up, but you know, because I I've probably I've read every single appearance of him, and for somehow that that explanation as to when he started getting his powers just escapes me. So whatever it was, it just didn't really stick. I don't know. And then he what what's kind of neat is, you know, there are some other characters from the We Are Robin series, you know, the, the the other kids that he hung out with. But then some of them are starting to get powers and it's like what is going on? Everyone's getting power. Everyone you get a power and you get a power. So it's just I don't know. Um I yeah. I I just I I don't really like this direction for Duke Thomas and and I don't know what exactly it, you know how much things have changed or if he, this has always been the plan for him but i don't know um batman the adventure um whatever continues season two uh batman adventures uh or animated series whatever you want to call it i realize i don't think i read the first issue because i i know I, I was a couple issues behind on the first volume somehow and i think i was catching up on those because i started reading this issue and i was like wait did I not read the first issue yet? So I stopped. So I haven't read this one yet. But um, I'm, I, I I like the idea of, of this. Crime Syndicate issue five. This is kind of hard to read. Um, I'm, I'm just really... I've never been... I, I, I probably said this before. I've never been a fan of the Crime Syndicate at all. Just the idea of evil, you know, Justice League. You know, it, it just... It gets old after a while. And... What I have been okay with, what I've been kind of liking about this series is there has been some differences. So it's not just a total rehash of what we've seen before. You know, we have a different green, instead of having, I don't remember what his name was, that other lantern dude. Um, we have, you know, John Stewart's here. And instead of Lois Lane being Superwoman, we have Donna Troy. So, you know, there's a little things that, that kind of mix mixed, mixes things up there. But I'm just having a hard time caring about these characters and it's it's also it's just weird what i i feel like i'm missing something completely where you know we just had um forever evil where we had the crime syndicate you know where, where they made their way over you know it there's like been no mention of that when and i'll i'm gonna touch on this um in 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 a few issues well i'll just talk about it next okay because then there's suicide squad issue five which i've been kind of on the fence with with that as well and part of it is I, I don't understand or like Superboy being there. I don't like that no one is like, where is Connor at? You know, he just came back. No one cares. You know, the, we don't have Young Justice, the series anymore. 
So it's like now all of a sudden he's just being held captive and you know he he's been seen you know he's he's been i don't know so that's, that's just kind of bothering me that, that he's there and no one no one knows or cares it's, and even like does a superman check in on him it's like what's going on but what's what's interesting here is we we this issue kind of focused on this, this blood sport guy and i don't know have we is he a new i don't think he's a new character and again i i could easily look this up i don't know much about this character He's he's kind of interesting in a way where you know he can teleport in like any weapon that he wants or whatever you know I but I think he needs to like ask for you know whatever so it's not like I need uh, some weapon that hasn't been invented but it's going to be able to do this you know I, I think it has to be something that is in existence and uh, he's basically traveling to other Earths which I kind of don't like that part that Amanda Waller has access to this that she's trying to recruit quote unquote recruit uh character villains or character people from other earths for her own means because that just kind of goes against the whole thing her the whole idea of suicide squad is you take criminals you take super villains you put a bomb in in them you force them to do these missions uh you know and and in return for time off or good behavior type of thing so now she's basically talking about kidnapping people from other realities other earths and then forcing them to you know that whatever so he, uh, this blood sport dude he ends up going to earth three and he sees uh the the crime syndicate there because he's like you know every earth has like a superman type type of character and you know they don't need a superman because they have superboy type of thing so you know he's trying to see who could he uh, who would amanda be interested in or whatever and then that's when he sees ultraman he's like whoa this is different and everything but where the whole continuity stuff is, is confusing, we just had we already they they should everyone should know about Ultraman and Superwoman all that stuff because of Forever Evil, you know New Fifty Two Jeff Johns and Jason Fabic series is that wiped out now? So I I don't know what's going on with the continuity with the New Fifty Two and with the Crisis or whatever or Metal, metal you know where everything everything matters everything is all the stories matter as they kept saying and everything is kind of blended together where they remember everything and but no one remembers a crime syndicate and i i don't understand and even that story that that's where um what jessica cruz came out of that from that that story arc and everything like that but i i, I don't know so because at one point he's like i need the big gun you know he's going up against ultraman because he, he's what he's trying to do he's trying to go after the black canary the evil black canary black siren which is like, okay, that's that's fine. That's you know, it could be interesting. But then as Ultraman, he, he ends up fighting Ultraman, so he wants like a kryptonite gun, which Kryptonite's not gonna do anything against Ultraman because he actually likes Kryptonite. So it's like, doesn't Amanda know this? It's like this just I don't understand, but that's what's going on there. So I was actually uh, I was actually kind of interested in this this uh Bloodsport dude and and you know this idea. So I I like this a little bit more than the last couple issues which surprisingly. And then there's Crush and Lobo issue 2. This was okay. So Crush, you know, she got a message from Lobo. He's in like some space prison. She's going to go visit him for some reason. She can't stand him. And uh, what was weird is, like, in the first issue, she had a girlfriend, like, out of nowhere, and, and then they end up breaking up. But it's like, there. wait, she was with the Teen Titans. She was never out seeing, you know, hanging out without the Titans to come across someone else. And 
so you know i don't have a problem you know obviously we know that that you know she likes women so that that's not not the problem but it's just like this just came out of nowhere i felt like and it also seems like i probably mentioned this the, the first issue seems like she got taller i don't remember her being that tall but i mean she's like super tall so anyways she's out in space and at first I was, I was like, how is she out in space? And and then she, you know, she's in like a, some spaceship and she mentions that she stole the ship and she's probably going to return it. And it's like, where would she just randomly steal a spaceship that can go out there? And yeah, because she was never like a space person. You know, she was grew up as a normal kid, you know, obviously knowing something was up. And so I, I don't know. And I, I, I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm, I'm still obviously reading this. Then there is a, there is a Conjuring. Um, DC Horror presents The Conjuring the Lover, issue two. I, I, after I read the first issue, I'm like, what does this have to do with the, the movie? And there was a connection with the, the college um, that was mentioned. You know, one of the, one of the, some girl that went to this college or whatever. And anyways, so we're, we're seeing it a little bit more with that. This, this, comic is just okay you know it's it's interesting i think horror comics can be hard sometimes to to make them to create the mood and a lot has to do with the coloring and everything so even though there's some creepiness going on with with, with this uh the, this girl being at college and you know there's something in the shadows whatever um sometimes it, the coloring it's, it's just it's not establishing the right vibe for me so it's just it's okay and then uh the second story, there, there's like a backup story. Man, now I'm totally drawing a blank on that. And uh, it was just okay. So obviously, I, I can't even remember what the backup story was. And I just read this like a, a few days ago. <laughs> so. Anyways, uh, Green Lantern issue four. When issue three came out, I accidentally skipped it. So I, I did read issue three and issue four. And so things are not good for the Green Lantern Corps. You know, the ring or the, the battery has been deconstructed. All these lanterns lost their power. There's so many Green Lanterns that died because they're out in space, and all of a sudden the ring stopped working, and, and that. And conveniently, some uh, lanterns are missing. Like Kyle Rayner, you know, we don't know if he's alive or dead. Guy Gardner, I think we saw him on some other planet. I think that I have a memory of that somewhere. And uh, so, uh, what's what's his name? Simon Baz was was rescued by Teen Lantern, and and then we have the what's her name from from uh, Green Lantern, the the was it Far Sector near whatever that that I'm intrigued with her character. I tried reading that that comic, but it something wasn't clicking for me. So I'm I'm interested in, with her here. And it's funny as she's talking to Teen Lantern who suddenly now goes like as she talks, she she goes in and out of Spanish, like throwing in Spanish words while she's talking in English. I don't remember her doing that in Young Justice. Maybe I I don't know. Because that's something that always bothers me. Because I I don't know anyone that's ever done that that just is like talking in English and all of a sudden throws in a Spanish word. And I mean, I guess I kind of do it when I talk in Spanish sometimes, like to my mom or whatever. If, if there's a word that I don't know, I might throw in an English word. But it just it seemed like really pronounced recently because in, in Young Justice, I don't remember her doing that at all. But the funny thing is, as a, I keep forgetting this other lantern's name, but 
she's like something's wrong with my translator because you know she doesn't know spanish so there you know as uh you know the spanish comes out she's not really sure what's going on and they they're trying to figure out still like what happened you know who attacked the guardians and everything like that and you know are are they okay can they be saved or whatever and so now their their number one suspect is like could it have been sinestro which doesn't seem like it would make sense i don't know what's going on there um, but yeah, so it's, it's just interesting to, to see what's going to happen. Uh, Justice League 64, uh, <laughs> Naomi's, uh, her parents come to the, the hall of justice and they're like, like, you know, they're kind of in awe over everything. And there's one, one part where like Aquaman's like, I want you to hit me as hard as you can. Cause he's like training Naomi and stuff going on. But then, uh, unfortunately, this alien dude, I don't remember his name now, that was in uh, the regular Superman comic. So this alien was created to be like their Superman. I don't even remember how Superman defeated him. He went to this other far off planet and they defeated this this alien or he defeated. He was locked up. The United uh, Nations of Planets had him locked up. He ends up escaping. He's coming to Earth for Superman. So it's like, okay, so things... They are, are going to go bad. And then there's uh, the, the backup story with Justice League Dark, which I just have such a hard time reading them. Batman was in there. There's a lot of stuff in there, but they're still um, continuing stuff with like Merlin and Zatanna's there and everything. But there's that. Um, Justice League Infinity number one came out. This is a continuation of Justice League Unlimited animated series. So it's kind of cool I don't remember like what happened in the last episode of Justice League Unlimited. If there was like, I don't even remember if there's like a firm closure, like this is the last episode or it's just like, all right, we'll see you guys tomorrow. You know, what's the next, you know, problem that we're going to deal with. So here it does feel like, you know, some time has passed since, since then. And I don't know if it's been mentioned that this is picking up, you know, a week later, a year later, five years later or whatever, but it, it feels like some time has, has passed in between there. And it, it was kind of kind of fun seeing you know the style again and just these uh, characters you know like who who is together and who's not and you know stuff like that and so if you if you ever were a fan of the series you should definitely pick this this uh, series up. Then whew, uh, there there's a lot of DC books this week. I guess it's making up for last week. Um, the Nice House on the Lake issue two came out. So this is a James Tynan. This is a the part of the the black label whatever horror comics and uh, you know, all these f- friends associates were invited to this beautiful you know lake house in Wisconsin and uh, by one of their friends and then when they get there you know they're like what's going on and this is you know everything but it, and all of a sudden the outside world is like the, the apocalypse you know everything's like on fire and people dying and. And so, like, they're trapped in this this in this house. There's like even like invisible barriers where they they can't leave. Everything that they could want is there, but they're it's just they're trapped there. And um, they realize their friend Walter that there's something up with him because he kind of like disappears and what they call like this tr- tornado, whatever. He just whoosh. so they they're trying to make sense of what's going on and they're kind of freaking out. And there's still internet even though the world outside is like in in chaos. And you know, there you know, some of them have been getting like emails from from you know friends or family or whatever. They're trying to figure out what's going on, and uh, so yeah, it's it's definitely. 
I, I, I love this this comic because this is another one where you don't know what, what's going to happen where this is going. I th- believe this is a 12-issue series, so definitely some, some cool things going on here. Then uh, the last book at DC is Wonder Girl issue two. I was just, it was weird. I was thinking like uh, last week and I was like, whatever happened to Wonder Girl comic? Because it, it feels like it's been longer. Maybe, maybe whatever, I've just been impatient. But I, I'm really curious about this Yara Flora character. I, there's something about her, even though this is a, you know, out of the pages of Future State. You know, this is you know, obviously earlier. So I'm intrigued with with her character to see what what she's about. And you know, one of my concerns was like, you know, she's Wonder Girl, but what about Cassie Sandsmark? She does make an appearance here. So you know, um, Queen Hipp- Hippolyta kind of sends her off because some other people I where I'm a little confused and you know maybe it was mentioned in the first issue but it feels like it was so long ago they're like people are, are kind of like concerned about Yara Flora's existence like and what she could mean so it seems like there's different factions of the Amazons that are out to either get her or talk to her or do something and so uh, Cassie's like going after because like Artemis uh, is also Artemis and Cassie kind of run into each other and and you know they're working from different people and because there's like the Amazons in Egypt um, that we saw recently somewhere. So I I'm really intrigued with with this character and I'm I'm kind of bummed that the CW didn't pick up this show. I maybe it wouldn't have been good. Maybe that's why they didn't. But I, there there's something about the the character and the design and. That I, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that this is something good. And with a, uh, you know, uh, Joel Jones working on the book and uh, Jordi Belair doing the colors, I mean, there's, there's um, definitely something here that, that has my curiosity. Over at Marvel, we had X Men number one. I'm gonna start off with X Men, even though I'm, I usually kind of go in alphabetical order. And uh, it was good. I, I like this. It's weird. It's Jerry Duggan and and Pepe Larraz. So we have this new team. You know, we have Cy- Cyclops, Jean Grey, Marvel Girl. We have Rogue. We have Polaris. We have Sunfire. We have um, Wolverine, X-23, Lurikini, and Sink. What's weird about it is they're in New York City. So, you know, away from Krakoa. They, they uh, apparently, Emma Frost, whatever, bought like some like real estate like a block city block or something like that and they built a giant tree house there you know with, with tempo and whatever and you know there's this whole structure and, and stuff going on or whatever so they're, they're living there it's huge huge tree it's good for like the wildlife like some you know they're like this this one owl that was there to some nature cons whatever they were like wait what they're this owl you know anyways so we have all this going on, and there's also like like a fallen um, X Men memorial because I think there's like some parts that are open to the public or something that people can see. I I think my my one concern is because it's just like this tree just like sprouted up overnight, and and all of a sudden people are like like whoa. So when I was first reading this, I was like, man, if I lived in like a building next you know around it. And then all of a sudden your view is blocked. But I guess maybe there would have been a building there before. Maybe they just demolished a building that they purchased and then put this in its spot. I don't know. And there is talk that like the air actually 
smells or tastes different there because it's fresher, you know, there's a, that stuff. So it's good for the environment and everything like that. But it's it's also, I, I think the other concern for me is you're, you're planting a big target right there. Because, you know, people are going to be, you know, enemies of the, of the X-Men. They're going to be like, hey, we can just attack this structure here. But it's it's similar to, like, the Fantastic Four being in Baxter Building or the Avengers being in Avengers Mansion or Avengers Tower. It just, you know, it's good. Or the Teen Titans having their big Titans Tower. It's good for them to have a headquarters and a structure. But it just seems like it could potentially be dangerous for innocent people around there you know where they didn't ask for this it's not like someone's like yeah i want to move in next to you know the baxter building or whatever knowing potentially what could be going on that the building's blown up or been shot out into space or you know so it'll it'll be weird there and then there is an attack that happens in the city so the x-men go to, to try to you know fight this thing whatever and I, I can't help but wonder, you know, with the X-Men fighting this where, because it wasn't, I don't think, it wasn't directed like at the X-Men, you know, so it wasn't like, you know, one of their enemies or something like that. But I, I, I immediately was, was thinking people are going to be blaming them. You know, the, the whole thing is like what we're kind of seeing in Batman, you know, where they're accusing because Batman is in Gotham City, all these, you know, costume villains, you know, they want to make a name for themselves or whatever. So they're, you know, they, they come to town to try to attack and fight Batman and everything like that. So it's like the same thing where other people may come to New York to fight the X-Men where it's, you know, which came first type of thing. But, you know, some of the other heroes like Fantastic Four and, and Avengers, you know, there there's some communication with them and, and they're like, oh, you know, glad you're here type of thing. And so we'll have to see where this is going to go. And so it, it could be an interesting book as well. I'm enjoying all the Krakoa stuff and some of it just seems weird where, they're, you know, they're establishing businesses and doing this and that, whatever. And um, so this feels like it could potentially be back to Adventures with the X-Men. Versus stuff that's like more political or, or business or, you know, whatever, corporate. So we'll, we'll see where, where this goes. But, you know, I, I'm I'm curious about this team. I I don't really like Polaris being away from X-Factor. But this could be good for her character, you know, to be, you know, in a different, you know, an actual X-Men group now. So we'll, we'll see. Um, yeah, and uh, I... I, I love X twenty three. She's just so like ferocious, and and I I, I just love the character. So I'm I'm glad that she's here as as well, and you know Scott and Jean, and so we'll, we'll see where, where where things go. Um, and Forge, he's not part of the team, but he was like on the outskirts, like helping out with different things. So it's almost like it's just make him part of the team. And I know there was a whole vote and everything like that, and maybe they only want to keep it to certain numbers, but, but whatever. Okay, then there's America Chavez, Made in the USA, Issue 4. And I, I'm i really interested in this character because, like I, I probably mentioned before, I don't really recall when she first appeared. I, I really don't know a whole lot about her, her past. You know, I knew she came from, like, an alternate Earth. And, you know, she, you know, we as we saw in this series, at least, you know, she came as a child. She was raised by this other family. And, you know, she has these powers. She's not really sure how to work and everything. So we're we're getting more about her her past here because all of a sudden like she has a sister and her sister is there and like wait what's going on and and she's trying to say this stuff and, she, and you know America's like you're 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 crazy you're lying you know this isn't how it was and 
So I'm just really curious as to, is this, I, I still don't know if this is really what's happening and it feels like it is because now, you know, America's like remembering everything and how things, you know, when she left, but it just seems kind of weird. And, and I don't know where it's going to go with the two of them and what's going to happen. And um, so we'll see, but, but I'm, I'm kind of curious. I, I never, I wasn't like super crazy about the character before. Actually, I, you know, I didn't care one way or the other for her, but I am kind of curious now. And, uh, you know, I know she has a connection to the Young Avengers. So was it some random Young Avengers comic she came in? I should just look like, what is her first appearance? And um, this is where I could pause and look it up, but it just it just doesn't seem natural to do this. And I, I don't want to pretend to be like this comic know-it-all because I, I'm, I'm not. I will admit that. And I don't want to, you know, fake that or anything. So... Uh, moving on, so it, it's um, it's an it's an interesting comic, I'll have to say, and I'm I'm liking the character more. Where before, like I said, I didn't not like the character; I just didn't really care one way or the other. And now I'm I am with, with this these issues, I've been, become more interested in her. Okay, then there was uh, Amazing Spider-Man issue seventy, uh, Prelude to Sinister War. This was this was actually just okay. So after last issue, I feel like you know, because it's prelude to Sinister War, it kind of feels like not a whole lot happens. You know, there is there is some setup going on with um establishing, you know, who what what is this Sinister War gonna be? Is it gonna be Sinister Six or is is there gonna be more than that? Because you know, we've seen Sinister Twelve before. But, you know, Doc Ox uh trying to get his team going and uh you know we're, we've been seeing like the different people recruited and stuff like that so um i think it's come out or it's been shown that the lizard was there but you know that that's like that doesn't make sense because kurt connors has it under control and you know he's he's good he's working at the college and everything like that but you know we do see a little bit with that and there's still a question of, like who's going to be the sixth person then because, you know, so if, if I can remember these without looking, opening up the issue, we have Doc Ock, maybe the Lizard, I'm going to say, say that, Sandman, um, Craven, Electro, who's back. And and I don't even, yeah, I don't think Spider-Man sees them or whatever. But no one's like, hey, Electro's back. So, um, and then, like, what's the deal with Kindred? So there, there's a little bit more with that because... Uh, Carly, you know, we get some follow-up with Carly. And she found herself in a cell next to Harry Osborn. So how can that be? Because Harry Osborn is supposedly kindred, which there's still been no explanation how that's possible. And then there's also the question when she was uh, looking at the bodies that were exhumed during Kindred's big thing. There was one, I don't think they showed us who was under, she was like shocked when she saw one body. Did they show us? Because they, they mention it here, and I don't remember if they told us before, and I don't want to spoil it now in case, but maybe we knew who it was. So there's, there's still some question as to how Harry can be in a cell with Carly when Kindred's still out there. It's like, so who the heck is Kindred? And what's going on with Harry? And yeah, so we we have that stuff going on. But then the other thing is, when you get to the end, so there's going to be a Sinister War comic, and then there's going to be Amazing Spider-Man 71. So I'm assuming it's a different comic, 
and that's fine and everything like that but it just feels like okay you're you're putting out too many comics you know just like last week when we had that the chameleon conspiracy conspiracy um whatever conclusion that it was a separate book it's like these should be contained within amazing spider-man so it's like you're doing this separate book which okay cool but I guess I'm kind of looking at, you know, when people have their, their comic book budgets where now, you know, they, they've been reading Spider-Man. It's one thing already they need to, they're going to have to factor into it. It's coming out three times a month, which it feels like it's almost coming out weekly as it is. So maybe they're, they're kind of used to that. But it's like, you know, you, you have your, your comics spending, you know, budgeted, figured out. And you're like, okay, you want to read the story that's going to continue here. You're going to have to read the Sinister War comic and... I because I don't read solicits, which I really should, but I don't want to be spoiled or anything, which is stupid because I, whatever I should be aware of things so I can talk about it. I don't know if this Sinister War is like a mini series. I mean, I mean, it can't just be like a one issue thing because this has been building up. So we'll we'll see how 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 that goes. But there is also Amazing Spider Man Annual. Um, annual number two surprisingly it's actually number two because they've been doing away with the numbers and just doing like amazing spider-man annual 2021 and in 2022 so uh this is a infinite destinies comic and again at the beginning it's what it says here uh so we the the will the story you're about to read reveal another stone bearer or give a clue to the cosmically um mysteries intentions mysterious intentions blah blah so just like with the last one it's like are we going to see another stone bearer um spoiler no <laughs> there, there, I, what, what is going on what we do get here is a story basically spider-man and star so star is the she has a reality stone you know she's from the captain marvel series and it's um, it's an interesting story for the, for the most part. I almost like this a little more than <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man story because there is uh, more going on, and I really don't know how I feel about the Star character. And this is something that's been going on because you know she was just like a regular person. You know, she interviewed Carol Danvers, you know Captain Marvel, and then you know when she got the stone, she became like super evil, and she's like hating everyone. And, you know, we, we see some more, you know, she was bullied in high school, like horribly bullied and stuff like that. So, you know, there's a lot of like her wanting to get revenge. And, and there, there, I do like also there's mention of like the the King in Black Thunderbolts uh, comic and stuff like that. But basically she starts using her powers for revenge and, you know, trying to make her, you know, first, first of all, before the revenge part, you know, she just tries making things happy for her. You know, she's like... I can have whatever I want. I can, you know, read all the books I want and not have anyone call me a nerd. And but then she realized she's kind of bored with that. So then, then she gets the idea of revenge, and then Spider Man kind of gets brought into it. There's a reason for it, and it's a, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, I like Spider Man trying to help her do the right thing because it, it's almost like you're rooting, or at least for me, it's like I'm, I'm trying to root for her even though she's done some bad things, but with the reality stone, you know, could she undo some of the things, you know, especially it's like something that she does in this, this issue. So I, it's, it's hard to say like, what is she going to always be evil or is there any way to redeem her? And, and it seems like that's something that usually happens where we'll see these characters that they may have done some bad things and then they're redeemed and then they're a hero. 
Because it's like, why not? You know, if we get this other hero character to, I don't know, could she carry her own series? Would people be interested? I might be. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to see where, where this is going to go. And then uh, the backup story is Nick Fury. Uh, you know, he's captured and uh, it's not clear who's, who's captured him. But there's mention of him being at Ravencroft. So I don't know if that means anything or it's just whatever. But there is no other mention of Infinity Stones or another person. So it's just, I don't know what's going on in these, these issues. Okay, then we have Avengers 46. So this begins part one of World War She-Hulk. And I, I don't... I don't know. I, I remember seeing someone complain about how all the, I don't know what you'd want to call them, not, not the secondary characters, the inspired characters, but like basically characters who are offshoots of other characters getting like their own version of a main story arc. Like Wolverine, like Laura Kinney, X-23, former X-23, we don't call her that anymore. She uh, got like an enemy to state, whatever story. Uh, Amadeus Choi, you know, got a planet Hulk of his own or something like that. And so now She-Hulk is getting her, her own World War She-Hulk instead of World War Hulk. And but whatever. Uh, so what, basically what's going on here is she, uh, the, the Avengers are getting betrayed and there's some heavy duty stuff going on. And she's the target. She-Hulk is the target. So we have like the, the Winter Guard like coming to get her in the, the Avengers celestial dead celestial base and uh it has something to do with dracula as well and i'm trying to think what did she hulk do that would piss everyone off or it's pissed dracula off so much and so um i don't and i don't know if they're just trying to turn her maybe because you know they're, tr they're trying to see you know is she going to be red she hulk or something so i don't know but I mean, you know, it was kind of interesting. So we'll we'll see where that's going to go. Then there's Captain America, thirty, and I don't know if this is I I haven't I didn't bother reading it, but I know, I know like Dean Kane is up in arms about what Hollywood is doing with Captain. It's like a Hollywood, it's Marvel Comics, whatever. So he's complaining. Kevin Sorbo's complaining, but clearly they're not reading the comics because they don't know what they're talking about. They're saying that Captain America is anti-American or, or something or whatever. But anyways, th this issue was more, um, has nothing to do with that stuff. I, di I didn't get any anti-American sentiments or anything like, like that off of it. It's basically uh, Captain America's final confrontation with Red Skull. And uh, I mean, it, obviously we know if it's the end, end of the arc, it has to be a way for him to defeat Red Skull in a way, and they, they have an interesting. It's not not even like an actual battle, so it's 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 pretty interesting um, way to, to end things, to close things, and and you know Captain America is going to come out on top, unless this is going to be like some weird cliffhanger thing. But uh, Captain America, he does something kind of smart in a way. Then uh, Children of the Atom issue five. So this feels like it's a mini series. I I don't know where this can go from here. I mean, I think there's at least one more issue. I, I forgot if it, if they said, I, th I think at the end it says to be concluded. So I, I'm, you know, in, intrigued with these characters and their motivations. And, uh, you know, I, I feel kind of silly because at the beginning I was like, wait, are they mutants? Or are they not mutants? Because the whole thing is, you know, they, they wanted to go to Krakoa, but they couldn't. 
and you know we, we see that you know they are heavily like into the x-men you know so much that their their whole persona has been uh is inspired by them and everything and so they they there is a the x-men do have to show up because you know things don't go quite according to plan they they got uh attacked or captured last issue and so but it, it's too bad i mean i i really don't know what i would want from this because again now now do you go from here where where can we what do we do from here you know where where can they go I don't want them to just disappear into comic book limbo. I mean, maybe some of them. See, I don't. Need, I wouldn't even say that they they could join the the champions because the problem is the problem I have with champions is you know they're going out on all these different missions and hanging out at different places. But it's like, wait, they're still in school, you know? Because we're seeing in like Miles Morales Spider Man that you know he's he's still in his school I and mean, he's got like so much stuff going on papers are right and everything like that and uh ms marvel you know kamala has to deal with her parents and you know trying to get permission to go outside and or to, to hang out with friends and you know they're very protective of her and stuff like that but then it's like when they're the champions like oh we're gonna go over here we're gonna go over here we're gonna hang out here we're gonna go out in space and with uh, the children the adam which i mean what is that their team name yeah if, if they were to join you know they're they're still in school and they're not like official heroes even though they've done a few things so i i don't know but i i would like to see more of them and yeah i'd like this series to continue but i really don't know and i, I that's why it's not my job but I'm, I'm sure they they could come up with something but it was a uh, kind of interesting as as we see more more information come out then there is extreme carnage alpha number one of six i so didn't want to read this because you know how i feel about these other well first of all you know how i feel about carnage i cannot stand carnage i i just i do not like i loathe carnage and then we have you see on on the cover i'm assuming that's scream i don't even know who these other lash and toxin and i don't even i can't don't even bother keeping track of the other symbiotes but you see anti-venom is on, on there so we have flash thompson that's the only thing that makes it kind of interesting is where you know flash is back and but it's like wait so how long have you been gone how long have you been quote unquote dead and now you know you, you got a sort of a job unloading you know a truck and so maybe he's not employed through official means you know maybe he's getting paid under the table or whatever and so and apparently he's back now he still doesn't have his his legs you know his lower legs so he's still on on prosthetics which i guess makes sense but if he was reborn in some way I mean, I guess it would make sense to like, oh, now you're you're back from the dead. Now you have your legs back too, and so I, I don't I don't know. And I just so yeah, there's like, is is Carnage back? How can Carnage be back? And is Cletus Cassidy? Isn't he dead? He's dead. But wait, what? I don't know. But I this is the symbiotic story of the summer, and I just I couldn't care less. So I just I don't want to read it, but I feel like I have to for you guys. I mean, unless unless everyone were to contact me and say, yeah, you can skip Carnage, but I'll I'll do my best and 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 try not. I don't. And if you love Car or if you like Carnage, that's fine. You know, I don't judge, and and you know, you can like what you want. And and but that's the thing. If you do like Carnage, I don't want to sit and rip on a character that you like because I know that's not cool. It's not not fun to hear that when there's a character that you really like and someone's just bagging on it. And it's like, but I think it's cool. So you're basically you're telling me that my opinion is is dumb because I like this and you don't. Not not that that's how it goes, but whatever. 
Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I always try to be fair with my, my critiques, but I also want to be honest. I don't like carnage, but, um, that doesn't mean that he's a completely worthless character. I mean, I'm sure, you know, there's some, some good uses for him or whatever. Hellions issue 13. So, I have a feeling. I, I just wonder what, the, and I should look this stuff up. I mean, if if I had access, I would be like, what? How are how is Hellions doing in in terms of sales compared to the other X Men books? Because I feel like, at least for me, this isn't. And again, I could be totally wrong. This isn't my most like favorite of the X Men books, and it is a little different, which is is, is a, a good thing. You know, we don't need to have like you know thirteen books that are all the same thing. But I guess part of it is is Mr. Sinister's role here. And, you know, I get that there aren't really that many evil mutants anymore because everyone's kind of, you know, given a second chance and stuff like that. But I, I just find him more kind of annoying. And, and it seems like he's more of a comedy relief than an actual villain. I mean, back in the day, Mr. Sinister was, you know, despite the, the silly name and the silly cape that he seems to love... The, the idea of Mr. Sinister, you know, he was he was a creepy dude and he was a formidable villain. And, you know, just all the stuff that he was into making clones and getting samples of our. I mean, it was just like just like really bad, you know, shady stuff. But now he's he's more of a goofball. And and then his his the the team. I mean, I, I'm really intrigued with Quanon, you know, back in Psylocke's in the Psylocke, her body. And you with the idea of Havoc being here where, you know, he doesn't want to be in this team and he's like, why am I here? Why am I being, you know, forced to do this? And, you know, with, with these guys. So, you know, there's some interesting things there. Wild child. I don't care. Um, the other dude who was a reaver guy, I see, I don't even remember his name. I don't know why I'm thinking gray Malkin. That's not right, but he's like, eh. and then, uh, uh, nanny, <laughs> I just I don't I don't know what's going on, but yeah. So there's a it, if you can see it from the cover, why is why are there two Mister Sinisters? And it turns out that the clone that he made during the the sort of X sort of ten story, you know, he didn't actually die. So you got all that. Then uh, we have the Mortal Hulk forty eight, and. Uh, there's some interesting things here because Hulk and Betty hook up. So Betty's in her her red winged bird guys. So it's like weird for them to to be together. And he's like he's like what are we doing here? Because he's like I'm not Banner. And she's like well you know there's a part of you or whatever. And so they kind of have this this discussion and you know like stuff that Hulk has done or Banner has done. And, you know, he's saying how, you know, Banner's not around. You know, he was, I saw him in hell, but I didn't try saving him because I was being selfish. And, you know, so he's there and, you know, the leader is doing whatever and has him. And so there, there's, it's, it's an interesting talk. And, um, you know, it's like, I want Hulk and, and Betty to be, be together. I, I'm not super crazy about this bird form. I, I, I really liked when she was Red She-Hulk. Uh, I mean, those were, I don't know, there, there's something about that. And yeah, it's just She-Hulk, but red. So maybe it's just like a, a copy. So this is a way to make it different. But I don't know. I just, I don't really like this bird, guys. And may, I, is, am I being superficial because it's it's not something nice to look at? It's kind of gruesome in there, but I, I don't know. And then, you know, there, there's the fact that the Avengers are all determined to go after the Hulk, which I still say the Hulk wasn't doing anything wrong. 
he was having a drink in a bar, like all calm and everything. And then Thor comes in and starts smashing the place up. So, but they're like, we need to get everyone to, you know, go after Hulk. And so we'll have to see where things are going to go. Then we have uh, Runaways 37. And the fact that I, when I saw it, I, I didn't really think about it, but I'm like, holy crap, this is issue 37. I, I was like, what's the highest that the Runaways has, have ever gone? I'm trying to think their original series. I don't think it got this high because it was maybe it reached the 30s. Because I, I would remember like in the late 20s. I wasn't super crazy about it. Uh, like when they went like back in the, the late 1800s, it just, I, I don't know. And and then after that, then it, it was rebooted with a new volume when, um, uh, what's his name was writing it. Uh, um, anyways, so here there, what's, what's going on is uh, we have um, Gert from the future is back. So like, what does that mean? And, you know, they're, they're trying to, to figure that out. And, you know, Gert, present day, or I guess sort of present day Gert, <laughs> finds out about it. You know, what, what does that mean? And then, you know, there's uh, also um, that the dude that was working with, uh, oh, what was his name? The the J team, the, the Y team, <laughs> or anything like that. But uh, someone um, shows up. And uh, yeah, so we'll have to see where that, that's going to go. Um, so I, I'm I'm liking the series, and and I'm I'm kind of curious about this future Gert. What does that mean? And because it's just like such a messed up relationship, you know. Because when she's when sixteen year old Gert sees Chase with future Gert, she's like upset. But it's like, dude, you like left Chase, and you're like making out with Victor, who's a android or what which i guess whatever you know nothing against androids or synthoids or but it's like okay you left him you're in this other relationship and now you're jealous because chase you know your ex who you left is making out with future you but i i I don't know but i'm sure we'll find out what what's going on there there's something more and then i was like oh we got a ward of bounty hunters issue this week but then i it's actually bounty hunters the series and again, nothing against the series, but I just, I don't know what it is about this Valance character. I just don't like him. And part of me is like, he doesn't super feel like a Star Wars character. And, you know, I, I don't even remember when he first came about, like when his first appearance was and having like a very, you know, loose connection with Han Solo where he knew him, but, you know, back in the day or, you know, whatever, that's kind of interesting, but I just, I don't know. And, and then, uh. Um, we find out like what is Dengar's motivations, you know, where he's possibly going to, you know, betray balance. And so there, there's some kind of interesting things here, but I just want to see like the, the war to bounty hunters stuff with Boba Fett. And then there is Thor and Loki double trouble. So this is this book. Can I say it's delightful? It is such a, such a I, I adore this book and I, I know that's could be like a huge turnoff for some people but it, it's it's Gurry Hero's art I just I love the art there's just something about it I don't know what it is it's just the art and the color is just 
I just love it. And that's why I loved unbelievable or unbeat, unbelie- yeah, unbelievable Gwenpool. So, and Mariko Tamaki, I, I, I dig her writing. So I, I like what she's doing here, but it's just, this is just such a fun book with Thor and Loki. And then we have Jane Foster Thor. And then, um, as you can see on the cover, we have Lady Thor in here too. And it's just, this is a, a really good, good book. And it it is rated teen, I mean, I would almost, I mean, I don't know what the difference between what makes a book a teen book versus a young or an all age book. And why is this necessary designated a teen book is, you know, was there a use of certain words like, I don't know, you know, an insult or the violence or anything. But this is just such a great book that could be a good introduction for like new readers. And this is what we need. I've said this so many times. We need people to keep reading comics. You know, it, it shouldn't be people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, or whatever, you know, reading comic books. We need young people to read them. And, you know, we have everyone, you know, watching the movies and watching the shows. And I'm sure a lot of people aren't aware that there are, are still comics being made or, you know, they might be like, well, why should I read the comics? You know, plus they're expensive or whatever. So we need these comics to, you know, we need people to read comics. So every once in a while, you know, as, as, as you know, I teach and, um, I, I don't think I, I don't have a lot of students that actually read comics, but every once in a while I'll, I'll see someone reading comics. I'm like, oh, wow. And it's like, how come I don't know that you're reading comics when I have so much comic stuff in my room? You know that, you know, but it, it's cool to see when, you know, a kid has a comic or a trade and, and stuff like that. And we, we need that. We need the, that entry point because something has to, you know, every, there, every comic could potentially be someone's first comic. And what's their first impression going to be? You know, it has to be something that grabs them, pulls them in, that they just enjoy. So, you know, when you you look at the latest issue, you know, whatever, you know, if it's something's grim and gritty or this or that, but it has to be something that that's going to hook someone. You know, we want them to keep reading, and whether it's that series or something else, or you know. Anyways, so I I just adore this book and. Um, pardon me. I, I, if this book came out, like when my daughter was younger, I would totally, you know, buy the, the trade. I mean, I, I probably would have, you know, I've been getting the single issues for her to read, but this is just a book that would be, you know, a great trade to have. And I highly recommend it. So it has my, my stamp of approval if, if you care about that. And then, uh, the last book is, uh, X-Force issue 21. Oh, this is the other one. I mean, which which book do I like less, Hellions or X Force? That's that's a tough one. Because with X Force, it. I mean, I don't think. I mean, there sort of is a, a designated team, but there's not. I mean, you know, we get a lot of Quentin Choir here, which I, I'm, you know, I'm liking him more than I used in the beginning. I could not stand him. So it's interesting to see, you know, what he's up to and how, how he's growing as a person, as a character, and you know, with his powers and everything. And, you know, we, we tend to have Domino and we have Wolverine, but it's not necessarily like an established team so much, it seems like. But anyways, basically what, what they do here, um, Forge is also in this issue. There's like some uh, man things popping up and attacking and, you know, like other. It's, it's just like so they're, they're trying to figure out what's going on. And and yeah, so I mean, it's just is, is someone weaponizing them? Um part of me is like okay that that sucks but i I don't care that much but i don't know it was it was fine so um and i i hate i shouldn't end up i hate ending off 
on, on, a, on a book that I'm not super crazy about. Especially, again, if you like it, that's great. But it's just, it's not doing it for me. I'm, I'm still interested. I mean, I'll still read it. I am reading it, not skimming through it like I, I sometimes do with other books. But it's just, yeah. So on, on that note, that is going to be comic books for the week. All right, Rick and Morty, Season 5, Episode 3, A Reconvenient Mort. And um, I have to say, I this well, first of all, this episode felt like it flew by. It felt like it went really fast compared to last week's. And I don't know if maybe because last week I was like a little bit more on edge, you know, not really on, on edge, but with all the, the twists and turns, you know, with all the... the the decoy Rick and the families and everything. And, you know, when you think you, you have the real one, then they would get killed. And then there's another and another, and it just kind of kept spiraling out and everything like that. So it kind of kept things going, you know, at a faster pace. This one, there's basically two main uh, stories. There's, there's a story with, with Morty and he kind of falls for this, uh, planet tina who's who's basically like a captain planet but like a female captain planet and then uh rick and summer go off on their own vacation or not really vacation but their own adventure type thing the the rick and summer thing which you'll i'll talk about in just just a second but it just felt like it really got um low humor you know it's crude basically it was like crude you know sex filled and um, not, not between the two of them, <laughs> but it just, it like wasn't really funny after a while. And, and it just, it felt a little weird. Like something was going on with, with Rick. He almost didn't even feel like Rick. It was just like, there's like some other character and it was just, just kind of a weird episode overall. And, and I, I don't know what, what it is. And, and then, you know, after I watch it, I, I go to IMDB and it has like, I don't, I haven't checked it uh, since, but it had a, had pretty high ratings and, and i was like reading through some of the reviews and what people were saying it reviews and you know it's they were kind of mixed and, and then like if it was weird because like the older ones were people not really happy like saying that this was like their worst episode you know the worst episode they like they're the second worst or whatever and but it is weird that there's like a after that there's a bunch of people that really liked it and whatever Oops. but i just i wasn't super crazy about it and yeah so anyways you'll you'll see what i'm talking about so it starts off rick and morty are getting they, they get custom shirts uh about yeah, i won't even it was like it's like censored so right off the bat it's it's it starts off on, on an interesting uh foot i guess but anyways then it starts raining acid and this guy i think his name was diesel weasel he somehow made it rain this like acid rain basically but it was like like real acid and then uh the female captain planet comes and her we find out her name is planet tina and she comes to rescue them whatever and rick is or not rick morty is just in in awe he's keeps saying like wow wow and and you know morty or rick even you know says something about that but then uh morty gets out to talk to her after you know the everything there's still like acid stuff all over the place and, and like morty's shirt has like some burn holes and like just part of his hair is like burnt and stuff like that but then he asks her if she wants to go get a soft serve because there's one just around the corner or something like that and she's like no sorry she's like i i don't eat 
or I, I, you know, I don't eat dairy, whatever, because veal is a product of dairy industry, and you know, it's it's so cruel. And he's like, oh, well, sorry, whatever. But then she's like, well, I do know a, a cruelty free donut shop that I could take you guys there, you know, fly you there, like no problem. And then he he like <laughs> turns the, the and he just like throws a shirt at him. He's like, he can't go. And then they fly off together. So she carries him there. So we find out Planet you know, Planetina, you know, there's like this uh news like video footage not really news footage but like this video footage where you know mother earth has recruited four people of different ethnicities <laughs> to save the planet so basically these uh four kids c- channel planet tina somehow they they summon her bring her or something like that because you know morty's showing his mom he's like isn't this cool whatever you know and they went out and summer's a little bummed or something like that that he that he's dating a superhero or whatever whatever and then uh rick comes in and he's he's like upset too so it's like they're both being very petty it's like oh heaven forbid morty actually finds a moment of of happiness you know however far-fetched it might be and, and accurate at this moment but it's like I get that Rick is a jerk and that, you know, he uses Morty and everything, but you know, he does care about the family to some extent and all that stuff, but it was just like really weird how he's just like so upset with them. So he comes in and says that, you know, three planets are about to reach their destruction. You know, there's like different things that are going to happen and each planet is going to have like a major blowout. So Rick says he's going to take his favorite grandchild summer to each planet because they're going to be parting. And then even like on the shirt, <laughs> And he it's like crossed off Morty, and it's a summer. And there's a picture of Morty, and he just like you can see there's like a ponytail drawn to. It was, it was really dumb. Uh, so but Morty doesn't care. You know, he sees on his, he's still on his phone looking, and he sees there's a wildfire fire. It's like about an hour away or something like that. So he's like, oh, you know, Planetina might be there. So he he, he goes there, and then he shows up. And uh, or no, Planetina's there. She's putting out, out fire with like ice blasts and, and stuff like that. And we see Morty there. He's like trying to help like a, a rabbit. He's trying to like shoo it out of the fire or something like that. And Planetina sees him. So, you know, he saved a rabbit. You know, he, he drove like 600 miles just to save a rabbit. He asked her if she wants to go out again, but she's like, you know, I have kids. He's like, that's okay, whatever. He's like, I, I don't mind. And then uh, it's a, the, the four kids that brought her into existence. We see them and they're like adults now. They're like old, you know, they're like older than Morty's parents or whatever. And one, you know, one comes up, she's like, oh, you want to autograph? It'll be like 20 bucks or something like that. You know, you like kind of weasel. And she's like, no, 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 he's whatever. So they've been manifesting her since the mid nineties. So maybe they're not that old, but they, they looked really old. Uh, and then this guy newscaster, whatever starts talking to her and he's like, you know, who, who's this? Is this your boyfriend or something like that? And she pauses and say anything. And Morty's like, yes, yes, I am. So, then we see Rick and Summer, they're getting ready for the parting, whatever. And they're like in the crowds, like in the streets, there's aliens all over the place. And, you know, everyone's like kissing and make, you know, doing stuff or whatever like that. So they're just parting with all the aliens. And it's just, again, it's a blowout, anything goes type of thing. So you can imagine what might be happening. Uh, then we see uh, Morty's at home and, you know, he's texting Planet Tina and, uh, you know, she's like responding back or whatever like that. And, and it turns out she's outside his window and they, they, you know, she, she flies in and she start they start kissing. She said that she had to tell her kids that she was like emptying a recycle bin or something like that. And then we see some, uh, summer and Rick, they're getting ready to leave the first planet. Rick is a pretty wasted, whatever. And, you know, he, cause he was making out with this one alien lady and they leave and the planet explodes. 
So uh, Planetina's kids, they're like, where is she? You know, she's late. You know, we're, we're supposed to, they're at a convention or something like that. So they, they summon her and then she appears with Morty. They're like, like hugging. And, uh, and I was like, <gasps> you know, they're, they're kind of gasping or whatever. And they're about to close a deal and they can't afford a controversy or whatever like that. And so one of the guys like, well, I'll deal with the kid or whatever. Uh, Rick and Summer is more partying. Uh, so it turns out that Rick brought the alien he hooked up with from the first planet. And, you know, Summer kind of busts him or whatever. And she comes up to him and she has like a joint in her nose that she's smoking. And she's like yelling at him, whatever. She's like, we said, that you know, there's no commitment. You're breaking the rule and all this stuff. Like, you know, because they're just supposed to randomly hook up with aliens. And it's like, okay, that's supposed to be funny. Like, you know, that that's their idea of, of humor, I guess. Uh, Rick talks to one of the kids, you know, he, so he's been tied to a chair, like in the back room, there's like these two guys in like security shirts, you know, holding them or whatever. And, uh, so the, the one kid says that Morty's a distraction that they can't afford right now. He's, he says that they own planet Tina and, you know, but they're probably going to sell her to some Arabs overseas or something like that. And then the guy grabs a mop and with his ring, he starts burning. And he's like, I wonder what she'll think of you if, you know, if you're scarred or so, you know, he, so he's thre- threatening to burn Morty's face. Morty, basically, he's able to get out of out of it, you know, wiggle his way out. He ends up biting the guy's finger off with the, the ring. And then he ends up burning the, the guy, the kid. So then uh, the other kids, they're like in this business, you know, whatever conference room, they're making the business deal. And like the Arab guys there. And there's something about like these like mutate, like baby seals are like in this tanker. I forget what, what that was all about. But they're like waiting for the other guy. And I, I, so they're waiting for Eddie. And then someone's like, who ordered a pizza? So there's a, a pizza delivery guy, but it turns out it's Morty. And they like try using their rings against against him, and, and they're like like one gets like shot, and you know Morty like like running around ducking, and then he's using their rings against each other. You know, like when someone falls, and he's just like grabbing the hand and blasting them, and gra- taking their rings and stuff like that. And then at the end, the Arab tries killing him because he's like, I was gonna buy her or whatever. But then you know Morty basically kills like fights everyone. So the back out in space, the second planet is about to get sucked into this black hole. Uh, the alien uh, talks, so they, they take off. And then in the ship, Summer's driving. Uh, now there's like a curtain to divide her now. And then the alien that Rick brought is uh, talking to Summer or whatever. And she's like, well, whatever. You know, you're just a fling. He's going to get ready. She's like, uh, he'll never leave me as long as I have these. And she shows her elbows and it's like all censored out or blurred out. And, and it, it, she says something like her elbow titties or something like that. But because you see, at first they're kind of like dangling stuff, and I, I thought they were like elbow scrotum. But I was like, why would Rick be really into that? But I guess they're elbow breasts. So as long as she has that, that um, I guess Rick is going to be like under her spell type of thing. I mean, not like a magical spell, but. Anyways, Morty tells his parents so they're, they're like playing a board game. How he freed Tina. And, you know, because so it's basically Morty and, and Planetina and then uh, Beth and Jerry. And he, so Morty says that, you know, she can live with them since she doesn't have a place to go. And Beth's like, she's way too, you know, you're, she's like, you're too young. You're only 14. And she says, you know, Planetina should just leave. But Morty, you know, he gets mad. He's like, I hate you. You know, he's like, I've been all over the universe and met lots of people. He's like, you know, Planetina is the only one that makes me feel like I belong. And, he, and then he's like, I'll never forgive you for this. And he, he goes outside. He slams the door like a few times. <laughs> or something like that then he goes outside and planetina's still out there and he goes up to her they, they hug and then they they take off together 
So then we see it's sort of like montage where she's going around the world and she's dealing with various, you know, crimes against the planet and stuff like that. But then it starts getting worse because then you even see like on the news that there's this, con- you know, she has like a, a Molotov, oh, you don't you see this part, but before the news part, she has like a Molotov cocktail, throws it. And then on the news, she like basically torches congressman's house. There's these like miners that are about to get in the elevator, go down the shaft. And she's like, you can't go down there. And, and they're like, yeah, whatever type of thing. They go down there, and then she like throws like big like fireball down there and kills everyone. And and Morty is just like he's kind of like shocked by by seeing all this stuff. At the the third planet, there's more partying. Rick is still with his alien lady. Summer is, is angry. Um, she w- forces her way back to the ship. You know, she has to go through a crowd. You know, all these people like partying and everything like that. So she takes a ship, goes out in space, goes towards a meteor, blows it up, and then uh then. I, Daphne, the, the alien lady, then she's like, she's like, okay, goodbye. You know, she leaves Rick because it's all over type of thing. And then the planet, the people on the planet, they're like, Matt, they're like, she's the one to save the planet. Now we have to go back to work because they were doing like someone's like, I can't believe I'm having sex with this person and I'm their boss. And, you know, so it's like all this inappropriate things. And now they're gonna have to go back to work and face each other after, you know, just letting loose and everything. So uh, they fly off, Rick and Summer, and then they they angrily make up. But you know, then she's like, "Oh, we love each other," and he's like, "Oh, don't make it you know, awkward or weirder." So they they make up, even though he's mad that, and because he says that she the way she took the initiative to what or something like he would have done or something like that to you know do things for her own sake or uh, whatever. So Planetina is trying to text Morty and, you know, it's like, you know, please talk to me, whatever. And he finally replies back. He's like, you know, I can't see you anymore. You know, you murdered 300 people. And, you know, so now they're talking because she was outside the window again. And she's like, you murdered my kids. And he's like, they were going to sell you. He's like, the miners were innocent. And she's like, you know, no. And she's like saying like all the stuff that they were going to do or whatever. And how it was like, you know, killing the earth and everything. And she's like, you know, this is the only way she can save the earth. And he's like, well, I can't be with you. So she's like sad and angry and she leaves. And then, uh, then Beth comes in and she's like, are you all right? And he's, he starts crying. She's like, she's gone. I loved her so much. And everything, you know, like that. And then she just hugs him. She's like, I'm here for you. And then, you know, he just like sobs in her arms and that's where it ends. So very sad for, for Morty, you know, this his first, was it his first heart heartbreak or whatever, you know, cause he did care about her. So there's your mixed thing, you know, the, the, the stuff with, uh, Planetina, <laughs> I did see someone on, on IMDb. They're like, that's something that, you know, the, the Planetina thing is something that you would have seen on, on Family Guy. You know, some like spoof like that. And I haven't really watched a lot of Family Guy. I've seen a lot of portions of it from being at conventions and flipping through the channels and just watching it for a few minutes. I'm, I'm not a Family Guy fan because I feel like it's just like um, parody, 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 you know, just these random things. And I don't, maybe there's a story to these episodes, but it just seems like it's just random, like memories of some spoof satire parody, whatever. So yeah, it kind of felt like it would be something like that. So, I mean, that the story was kind of okay. I mean, it was interesting seeing Morty in this situation and, you know, just taking charge and, you know, whatever with the rings and all that. But the, the Rick and summer stuff, it just, it wasn't really funny, you know, and I don't know, just Rick just seemed weird. And then how he broke his rule and was with this alien lady and, you know, he doesn't care. And I don't know, but that was supposed to be humor, I guess. 
Anyways, there's a, a mid credit scene, and it, the, even the mid credit scene wasn't that that funny. It's the uh, aliens from the third planet, uh, like one. It's like working at a bakery and like you know making you know doughing or kneading some some bread or dough or whatever. This other one comes in, and it's like awkward from or whatever, and they're like, "Is is mom here? Mom's still not talking to you because we had sex or something like that." And they're like, "Yeah," or so it's like, okay. Oh, because I think what it was, I think it was like a father and son had sex and there was like some reference to it or something. So it's it's like, just because something's taboo doesn't mean it's funny. I don't know. And I'm not, I'm not a prude. I mean, this, the show is inappropriate, you know, and it does kind of get raunchy, but this just seemed like it, it took it too much. I don't know. It just, it, it was, it wasn't as good as last episode, I thought. I really liked last week's, but this one was, it was just okay. Not my favorite episode. Okay, The Flash, Season 7, Episode 16, POW. A couple interesting things happen with this, so let's just get to it. So Barry's watching the news, so continuing from with the, the Godspeed stuff. You know, the city's in chaos. People are advised to stay indoors. Um, and then he, he yells to Iris, who's in the other room, so she's not there again. Or is she? But she's not there. He's like, I'm going to go out again, you know, whatever. And, you know, because he, he's got to try to save people, even though it's dangerous for him. But then he hears dad. So Nora's there again. And then he starts, uh, um, like, choking or whatever. And she's like, it, it's all changed. And she's like, you have to do something before it's too late. And then he's he's finally able to call out to her as she disappears. And it turns out it's like another dream. So, Godspeeds are running all over the city. People are getting attacked in their homes now. Barry uh, zips into Star Labs. And, of course, his mask is off. So, does he, like, turn off, you know, because he's got his his uh, automatic masking. That, I don't even know that how the technology works. You know, he's not Star-Lord. But he's got this mask that, you know, he doesn't have to pull it off. But it's like he zips in every time and he's got the mask off whatever so he comes in iris is still at home feeling sick conveniently uh frost is out there trying to help people they need to figure out what godspeed is going to do next so chester's like oh, i could try to pre- create a predictive algorithm it's just like no you can't it's not possible <laughs> anyways because he's basically saying if there's a pattern to their their freaky deaky moves he'll he'll find it <sighs> so Barry says, you know, they still have no idea what the new clones want. The originals, you know, they wanted his speed, but the the new ones don't want that. So Barry wonders, you know, how can we stop a civil war if we don't understand why each side is fighting the other? So then Cecile comes in and she wonders if anyone's heard from Joe because, you know, uh, he left whatever I don't know if it was last night, but he hasn't uh, he hasn't he's not home yet, and she hasn't been able to contact him. So Chester, um, he says he thinks he knows that the Godspeed activity has turned Central City into a Faraday cage, so no one can count contact the outside or something like that. So then we cut to Joe's car; it's in flames, and uh, some dude checks it out. He's like, "Ah, got out," and he looks at the footprints. So he's like, two against one, not fair." So this guy's like, just like he's very annoying, and he has like this big like fancy gun. He's like. Time to go hunting. It's like, oh my gosh, are you gonna be, be any more cheesy? Like, who are you even talking to? It's like it doesn't make sense. You know, he's obviously it's it's, it's for our benefit, but so uh, Joe and and Kristen Kramer are hiding behind a tree. He's like, so that was uh, Crike. How do you say his name? Crikey, Crikey, Crake. Um, 
he asks, like, how did you know that he was coming? And, and she says that she saw a pulse light that was uh, the signature of his, his pulse rifle, which is very convenient again. Uh, Joe tries calling for backup, but then she's like, he must be jamming the cell signals, which he's not. It's the Godspeed stuff, but they don't know that. So now it's daytime. So this was at night when this happened. So I guess Joe and Kramer are like out in the woods, like all night. Uh, Barry's, uh, he's in the med lab. He has like six broken ribs or something like that. And you know, whatever, stuff like that. Caitlin says that, you know, she knows there's something else going on with him. And he said that, you know, he, he finally talks. He's like, you know, he had a dream about Nora, you know, it's the second time. And, you know, she's mentioned that the future has changed and that he has to do something. So he knows it was just a dream. But, you know, it was it was Nora. And he says, you know, God Godspeed was her enemy. And at some point he knows that, you know, something's going to happen. So he, Caitlin's like, well, why don't you just go in the future and check out and see if she's OK? He's like, yeah, that, but that would risk another flashpoint. He's like, plus more Godspeeds could show up. He's like, I can't leave the city like that. And then um, you hear maybe I could help with that. So then Diggle walks in. Because anyone can walk in whenever they feel like it. And they're like, Diggle. Uh, so he brought something. He's like, what'd you bring? He's like, if we're lucky, a way to end this war before someone gets killed. So he opens a case and it's an entropy trap or something like that. And Chester is like annoyingly super excited that John Diggle's there because he's part of Team Arrow and uh, all this stuff. He's going to help them save the city and end the war. Um, so apparently Cisco designed this thing at Argus. And Diggle volunteered to bring it to help them. So why doesn't Cisco? He's like, no, screw you guys. I'm done with you. Uh, so basically, there's this device. He he throws a sphere over the device, and it stops midair. It's a, it has a plasmatic wave that freezes any object or person. And it goes down to like a picosecond. Or, I forget what they said. I don't think it was a nanosecond. But Barry's like, if they can trap one of the Godspeeds and find a way to communicate with it, then they can find out why, why they're fighting. So then Diggle's like, so you want to bring it into your house? And Barry's like, well, the new one saved my life. So he's like, so if they're going to help, if anyone's going to help, it'd be them. And then John gets a sudden like pain in his head. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm fine. Meanwhile, Caitlin gives Ultraviolet this new like neck brace thing or whatever that sort of works like her old mask. It's just like it's like a big necklace or thick thing around her. Um, but no more updates. So Caitlin leaves her so she and Allegra can talk. And then um, Ultraviolet Esperanza, she starts packing up her things. And Allegra's like, you're leaving? And so she's like, yeah, because she's going to go after Black Hole or Remnants of her or whatever. Because she's like, money is still being funneled to other doctors or something like that. And, you know, so other, there's other potential victims out there and evil stuff happening. But then she, like, kind of stumbles as she tries to leave. So she's not strong enough yet. And, uh, the, you know, Allegra's like, you, you need to rest or whatever. She's like, help me. And Allegra's like, I don't want blood on my hand. So then Esperanza's like, fine. She's like, no killing. You know, she wants to make people pay. And Allegra's like, well, I can't. She's like, it has to wait. She's like, there's a war going on. She's like, the city needs me. Team Flash needs me. And Esperanza, and again, switching up in, uh, in and out of English and Spanish, she says that she needs her. You know, she's like, and then she's like, well, you know, we all have to choose our paths or whatever. She's like, I'll just, you know, go alone. So it's like, just do, just like rest and heal. And then Allegra will help you. And maybe other people will help too. So we see Flash is running. Uh, he sends a signal similar to like the original Godspeed and others start chasing him. So he runs to, there's a device sitting out in the middle of the road. He runs to it, but then like phases through the ground. The other Godspeed clone goes and then he's caught in the device. 
So they they bring him somehow to Star Labs. Chester wonders why he's not talking. They have him in a, in a, a containment cell thing. Diggle says that he's a soldier and he won't talk until he's he's ready. Cecile can't really sense what's inside his mind. And uh, Diggle's like, well, you know, why isn't he trying to communicate with the others? And Allegra's is like, oh, he's trying, but I'm seriously blocking it, you know, with, with her powers or whatever. So then Diggle's is like, oh, he's he's like, yeah, his whole team is 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 powering up or leveling up or whatever. So Barry thinks that it can't communicate that maybe it's just a drone. Um, either way, he wants to queue up the translator. Then a voice is like, a translator won't be necessary. And they're like, oh, you can speak? Yes, we have much to discuss. Barry Allen. So <laughs> it knows Barry's identity. Um, the crikey dude, crikey, crake, crake. I don't remember what his name is. He's still hunting them, even though it's so, he's must have been doing it all night. They're still somehow avoiding him. And the, as I'm watching this, does he know who he's after? Because Joe's like, well, he's like, well, you know, if we head north, we'll hit the road in under an hour. But she's like, no, she's like, I'm not letting up. He killed 12 soldiers. And Joe's like, you know, if he did everything he could to make sure you weren't harmed in Operation Griffin, why would he be trying to kill you now? So he's like, he doesn't know who he's hunting. And she says that if he doesn't know who he's hunting, she knows how to catch him. It's like, okay. So Barry, in front of the containment cell, since it knows who he is, he's able to take off his mask, which it seems like he doesn't want to wear this mask ever. So, you know, he's wondering why is it talking now? And it says that, uh, in their fight, you know, they're evenly matched and, you know, they know Barry is strong and that he's the advantage they need to meet their goal. And they're, they're like, which is to live. They're like, uh, he says, you know, they didn't ask to be born. Um, if the, the main guy wins or whatever, then they'll have to bow down and die or something like that. So Barry asks if they're from the future, you know, why bring the, the war here? And then the Godspeed says that the prime August heart is there. So Cecile's like, that's what they're doing. They're all searching for August Hart. And then the clone asks Barry to join them and end the war. And then he's like, if he helps, what will he do with August Hart? And then the, the Godspeed says, they'll kill him. Then um, it says that you know, anyone who stands in your way will die with him. So it powers up and escapes out of the containment cell somehow. Barry reaches for the trap, but it's faster and smashes it. And it's like, if you're not on our side, you're an enemy. Then it starts doing the, the chest hurricane thing, blasting. So I don't know if that's meant to steal his speed or something like that. But then Allegra comes in, stop hurting him. And she blasts it. It's like, okay, wh why don't you just blast it first instead of saying, stop hurting him? Because that's a waste of time. And then uh, it stumbles, but then it, it leaves. So Diggle and Chester come in to see if Barry's all right. And Barry wonders, like, how did he get out of the cell? And then Chester suddenly figures out, because he's a genius as well, that the Godspeeds are fueled by a velocity formula. So a chemical speed force, you know, it's a, a chemical speed force substitute. And then Dig Diggle, because he's smart too, he says, so metahuman dampeners won't work on it. Yeah, everyone understands how everything works. So the Godspeed was actually interrogating them. So Barry asks Chester to fix the device. He's like, well, you know, I can't because I don't have the components and all this like that. Then Barry just yells, find it, then find another way. And it's just like kind of awkward. So then Diggle asks Chester and Allegra, he's like, could I have a second with Barry? And then he's like, what's really going on? He's like, why are you barking at your teammates? And then so Barry's like, it's my daughter. He's like, you know, she's in the future in 2049. It's like the exact time that, that Godspeed's from. So if August Hart is there, what does that mean for Nora and my family? He's like, you know, will we even still have a family? Is Nora even still alive? He's like, I just want to run to my family, but I can't. Diggle's like, why not? 
And Barry's like, you know why. He's, and John mentions, he's like, you know, I've had a lot of different, you know, identities or jobs or whatever. He's like, the most important one is being a dad. He's like, there's nothing, no timeline that I wouldn't risk for my family. And he's like, you know, Lila and my kids, they're my heart and soul. And and then when he's saying all this, Allegra's like around a corner, eavesdropping. It's like, dude, it's like, why are you sitting here listening? It's so rude. But then, you know, it's like, how far would Diggle go for them? He's like, as far as it takes. He's like, everything else be damned. And he's like, you know, don't be afraid to do the same thing. And then Allegra hears all this and she she leaves before she gets caught. It's like, whatever. So Barry goes into the main room, talks to Cecile. He says, that, you know, as long as Godspeeds are there, he can't shake the feeling that his family's in trouble. And that's why he has to make sure his daughter's okay. So he says he knows it's dangerous. Cecile's been, you know, reading through Nora's journal and... I guess she and Iris have been talking about it, whatever. So Nora, Nora mentions a couple places where that were personal to August Hart in 2021. How she knew that, I don't know. So he could be hiding in one of these places. And she's going to go after Hart since Iris is out of commission. But Barry's like, you know, going alone is dangerous. And she's like, you know, she's like, fine, and I'll, I'll take John and Allegra. It's like, okay, because they got nothing else to do and you're just deciding you're going to take them okay so john's ready to go where's allegra cecile says that she, she's tried calling and texting her but she can't get a hold of her so allegra took off john starts to get a pretty big pain in his head and then he's like do you hear that and he's like so the headache this headache is worse than the others and she asks she's like is that all it is and then she tries reading his, his whatever is his mind or his, his essence or and she feels a massive pain as well so and there's a lot of like kind of like flickering on the screen you know as, as we're watching this whatever and she's like that's much more than a headache you know she's like it felt huge she's like he's like no it felt infinite and then she's like you know maybe you should stay here he's like no he's like if there's something wrong the doctors in gotham would have found it so i don't know if diggle was in on batwoman last week or whatever because i i'm not watching that show so Barry uh, gets ready to go. Caitlin says the comps won't work in a speed force, but he'll have mobile Gideon with him. So he tells, he goes to Chester. He's like, you know, he's like, I was out of line. He's like, I'm sorry. And Chester's like, oh, you know, thanks for saying that. He's like, I totally understand. So Barry starts running in a circle, whatever. And then he goes through a portal. Gideon starts counting off the years, then warns him that there's a temporal passage is blocked by invasive forces. So then he sees there's six Godspeeds standing in a line, ready to zap him. And, and they, for some reason, I don't know why they, they look so dorky. I don't know if the costumes are just a little too bulky or it's just, I don't know what it is. But then they all, their blasts all join together and hits, hits Barry. So he gets like knocked out of the speed force thing. And when he gets up, Dion's there. And Dion, you know, Dion helps him up. He's like, you okay? He's like, yeah. He's like, good, because we have a lot to talk about. So it's like, you know, where are they? You know, Dion says the Godspeeds are feeding off the Speed Force energy. They can't hold on to it for long. So that's why they keep coming back for more. Um, the Speed Force, so Speed Force Norse knows she's trying to deal with them. Dion's trying to help. Barry mentions, he's like, hey, you can control time, so you can take me to 2049. He's like, nah. He's like, not until she's done. He's like, until then, it's solo trips only. So he says that he kind of doesn't have the strength either. It's like, doing what? And then you hear, keeping me safe. So Iris is there. Iris is actually there. Candace Patton is actually there. So Barry's like, what are, what are you doing here? And she says it turns out that she's had more than just a bad cold. And then she feels a sudden pain. And she's like, something is causing her to move in and out of their timeline. 
Deanne says, you know, they don't know what's going on. So he's using all of his stillness just to stabilize Iris. And he says he can keep her alive as long as she stays there with him. But Barry asks, he's like, how long does she have to stay there? And, you know, they don't know. Iris, she's like, I trust Dion. And it's using all of his energy just to keep her there. So he has to put her back into a pure temporal strain or something like that. So Barry's like, well, I'll go with you. And Dion's like, you can't. He's like, it, I, you know, it can't deal with all the movement, whatever. He's like, plus you have a war to fight. So Diggle, um, out in the streets, he comes up to a Godspeed harassing some dude in a car. And he shoots it with uh, nanites, courtesy of Ray Palmer. Then he punches him out. But then he gets another headache. And you, you hear, like, words await, words await, or something like that. The Godspeed gets up, starts vibrating his hand, like it's going to, you know, kill Diggle. But then Frost shows up and blasts him. So uh, then we see Allegra. She material. I didn't realize she has, like, teleporting powers. I mean, I guess we kind of knew that. We saw that. But she um, materializes someplace. There's a bunch of guys either dead or knocked out, whatever. And she's like, no, no, no. Cuts back to Chester. He asks Caitlin. He's like, isn't Barry supposed to return at the exact same time? So they're like, well, something must have happened. And then behind them, Barry, there's like a green light. Barry appears. And he's like, it's not Nora. It's Iris. Back to Allegra. She's looking at all the bodies. She finds Esperanza. She has a big wound on her side. And Allegra's like, oh, you know, you'll be okay. And Esperanza's like, he's like, you're too late. Esperanza's like, you know, you should have helped me. You're a real family. But she's like, but you didn't. I fought alone. And now I'll die alone. But I'm not afraid. Death is an extension of life, whatever. And then she dies, which is so stupid because she could have waited like a day or what. It's like you have to go out right that second. And she wasn't 100%, which is why she got her butt kicked. And so then, but then she goes up like in flames and turns to dust. I'm like, huh, what? I, I don't even know why that happened. Is she like a the stupid Ben Riley clone dying, which is that's it's and by stupid, I mean, it's stupid that he turned to dust and, and died when that shouldn't happen. Don't get me started on Ben Riley's death. So then it cuts to Frost, Diggle and Cecile. They find this abandoned place that it's supposed to be one of the places that I guess meant something to the August heart. Um, there's like some developmental proposals. There's like a sign out there or whatever. Cecile senses someone is scared. There's this guy hiding behind like a dumpster, like in the street. And she asks him what his name is. He's like, I don't know. And he says, he's like, I, but I can't leave this place. It's important. I can feel it. And he doesn't know why. And they're, they're like, then he's like, do you know why? <laughs> so uh, then we see Kramer is caught from behind. We haven't seen them in a while. She's caught behind by, by Crikey. He's happy. He's like, still looking for a way out of this? There isn't one or something like that. And he's like, something, he's like, I've died before 17 times. She's like, take your best shot. He's like, I can't be killed. Because uh, So Joe comes up behind him. So I think it was before this. So she turns around and then he sees it's her. And she's like, is that why you killed 12 innocent soldiers? Because you knew you wouldn't die? Oh, this is when she turns around. And then he's like, he sees it's her. So Joe um, shoots a device on his leg, which I don't know what that does. It locks him in place. What has that to do with him? Kramer punches him, takes his gun. And she's like, you know, you were like a brother to me. She's like, how could you you do it? And he's he says that first she has to tell him who she is. And Kristen, she's he's like, Kristen Kramer died in that explosion, and so that means that she's dead. And then Joe's like, he's like, what's he going on about? She says she just cares why he killed their unit. He's like, was it money? Was he in trouble? And he laughs. He's like, I found out I'm immortal. He's like, I realized that the world was meant for me. He's like, I deserve it all. He's like, there's plenty of people willing to pay for my talents. So I guess he's a meta, maybe? So he, um, and I think Joe's like, you know, this meta's like you give other metas a bad name or, or something like corny like that. So, uh, but then 
he says that he gives half the money to do something good. So I guess he's sending it back to the reservation or something like that. And she's like, that doesn't erase, you know, the evil that you're doing or whatever. So she's ready to shoot him. And Joe's like, you know, you need to stand down. And then she finally puts a gun down. And then he just, uh, Crikey just smirks. At Star Labs, the, the dude that they found is lying there on a, on a bed, whatever. And so it's like, is this August Hart? We still don't know. Chester's like, if that's him, shouldn't he be like in triple lockup at Argus? And Cecile's like, I don't know. It's just a feeling. Chester, um, he just finished this algorithm thing. So they're coming back um, exponentially faster each time. So the war is about to go turbo. And Cecile, she can't sense anything from the dude, just memory loss. Caitlin says there's no sign of powers. There's like some tiny trace uh, matter in his brain. So she's like, you know, we could inject him with a nano trace of dark matter or something like that. It'd be temporary, but it could jumpstart his power. So at the same time, Diggle is a leaving. Um, he compliments Chester. He says, he's like, you got skills. He's like, the team is lucky to have you. Gives him fist bump. And Chester's like, walks out holding up his fist. He's like, oh. Barry comes in. He's like, oh, you're leaving? And he's like, yeah, I have to take care of something I've been putting off for too long. And today it nearly got me killed. Diggle says that, you know, as much as he wants to stay and help, uh, in his heart, he knows he can't put it off any longer. So he tells Barry good luck with everything. So Caitlin has, oh, I think he takes the device too. He's going to take it back to Cisco. Caitlin has injection ready. The dude, he's he's like, okay with this. He's like, you know, if I need to know who I am. He's like, if you think it'll help, he's like, do it. They put it in. My name is, uh, my name is uh, August. So it is him. So um, it's him. It's August Hart. The, that's all they could get out of him. The memory loss was too s- severe. Cezil asks what happened when he went to 2049. And Barry's like, you know, he couldn't make it. They're, they were blocking it. He's like, I've never felt so helpless. She's like, you know, it's okay to be, you know, feel scared or angry. No matter how bad things are, he's like, you know, we'll get through them together. So she's going to check in with Chester or whatever. He's trying to help her reach Joe. Then Nora appears. And she's like, I know I'm not supposed to be here. Before you say anything, I have to tell you something that's really important. I promise. And it seems weird. I don't remember. her. She seemed kind of like bubbly, giddy, like more than. Was she always like that? I don't remember her being quite like this. She seemed a little more bubbly than bubblier than usual. So he um, gets up to hug her. And he's like, he's like, you're okay. And she's like, why wouldn't I be? And he says, that, you know, he was trying to get to the future, but he couldn't. And then, you know, the stuff with Iris. And she's like, oh, right. He's like, oh, she's going to be okay. She's like, I'm proof of that. Everything's going to be okay. We both are. And Barry's confused. He's like, you and Iris? And she's like, um, not exactly. But if you're happy to see me, you're going to be twice as happy in just a second. And then, woo, what did I miss? He, he, and she's like, dad, meet your son, Bart. And he's like, oh, can I call you pops? He's like, you like when I call you that? you know, later. And he's like, woo, this place is crash. So, uh, it's Bart Allen. He's there. His other son, which Bart is not supposed to be a son. Well, we won't get into the comic book stuff. So I don't know, but thankfully what my, my concern was, I thought, you know, when they announced that Bart Allen was going to be their son, I was like, does this mean that Nora doesn't exist anymore? Did something happen and the timeline changed and she's gone and now we're going to have Bart as their son instead? But it looks like she's still there. How come there's no mention of him before? Eh, Something must have changed. I don't know. But then it turns out next week is the first of a two-part season finale. So the season's coming to an end 
already. So I guess there's only going to be 18 episodes this season. I mean, I guess still, you know, COVID stuff and everything. So um, that's too bad, but we'll have to see how, how the season ends. With Star Wars The Bad Batch, uh, season one, episode 11, Devil's Deal. So this uh, this episode, we didn't have as much of The Bad Batch. So it was, and I hate to say, I, I know I say everything's so interesting, but it was interesting. It, it felt almost more like a, a Clone Wars episode than a Bad Batch episode. I mean, they do make an appearance, but uh, so we'll just start off. It, it um, begins on, on a Twi'lek planet on Ryloth. And crosshairs there. So the Empire dude, what's his name? Am- Admiral Rampert. He's talking to Senator Ta, the Twi'lek senator, the like big Twi'lek dude who's like a, a big poo-poo head. Uh, he says that you know, despite uh, so Rampert saying that you know, despite the Empire bringing jobs to them at the refineries, whatever people still seem troubled by their presence. And uh, Sindul is there too, um, uh, and Eleni. So these are Hera from Star Wars Rebels, her parents. So, um, uh, Sindula, Cham Sindula, he's there. uh, He's like, after years of fighting, you know, peace is what they need. He's a little uneasy with the Empire being there and everything like that, but he's glad that the war is over. He says, but change is not always easy. So, Senator Ta addresses the people about the Empire and all the jobs. He's like, now is the time for all Twi'leks to step down from the military posts. And the people like out there, they're like, what? Step down from our posts? So, they're, they're not keen about this. And he says that, you know, now that there's peace in the, the galaxy, you know, the Empire, the Empire has offered a clone army to protect and defend them. So, you know, they don't have to worry about having weapons and stuff like that. But then uh, people start chanting that they want Sindula or something like that. And and then uh, Cham finally talks to them. He says that, you know, he understands their uneasiness. You know, they've stood together to defend Ryloth. He's he's like, you know, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the clone army and stuff like that. So uh, then someone says, I don't know if it was Tar or Rampart. They're like, yo, it's just a shame your daughter wasn't here. So where's Hera? She's watching, it's like a mining facility. She's, you know, got binoculars. And she's with Chopper from Star Wars Rebels. And uh, then, you know, nothing is really happening there. So she lies down to, you know, look at this, you know, it's a nice day out and the birds fly by or whatever. Then a couple clone troopers arrive. So this other Twi'lek dude is talking to Hera's mom, to Alini. He says they shouldn't have given up their weapons uh, to the clones. So this is a uh, Gobi. And um, which I'm not sure. I don't know his whole thing because... Harris says that he's her uncle. I don't know if he's her blood uncle or just like a family friend uncle. But he's like, he, they shouldn't have given up their weapons. He's like, now they're defenseless. And then Hera and Chopper are brought in or to like the, the town square or whatever outside their compound. Cham is told that they were found inside a restricted zone. And Hera's like, we were just exploring. And then uh, one clone, Hauser, he's like, you know, things are tense. He's like, I won't report it this time. And Cham thinks him. So Cham wants to talk to her. Uh, you know, he says, I want the truth. Why were you there? And then um, Gobi says that, you know, he sent her. So Cham and Gobi are kind of arguing. Cham says that, you know, he's like, you, if, you know what would happen if, if Hera was reported as spying in an Imperial facility? And he's like, why is it spying? He's like, what don't they want us to see? And Gobi's like, you know, the, the clones were supposed to leave after the war and now more are coming in. He's like, you know, I'm sure something is going on. So then uh, Rampart talks to Senator Ta. He's surprised at how cooperative Cham was. Ta's, you know, it's talking about his influence over people, how that could be a problem. 
Crosshair is like, he's like, Gobi Gly is a real threat or whatever. So Hera's looking to the sky again. You know, she's out like in a balcony and Cham comes up and he's like, oh, you still dreaming of flying? And she's like, all the time. She's like, I you know, just want to fly away from here. And which almost sounds like she just wants to get away from her family and everything like that. But uh, then, you know, she's like, but if we're going to fight, she's like, I want to do my part, whatever. And she's like, you know, Uncle Gobi, trust me. Why don't you? And, and Cham's like, he's like, yeah, you remind me of, of myself at that age or something like that. But he's like, you know, it's my hope that you never have to fight or, you know, stuff like that. So Rampart uh, is taking Cham and Eleni around a refinery. You know, she's like, you know, she sees like some guns and stuff like, you know, t- gun towers. She's like, we were told that the refinery wouldn't be a military place, but, you know, the soldiers and armament suggest otherwise. And a Rampart's like, you know, under the Republic rule, their planet was vulnerable. You know, he, they just want to make sure that doesn't happen again. Then he gets called away. So, he, you know, he's like, oh, you can see your, you know, your way out, you know. So then Eleni says that Rampart cares more about his own interests than those of their people. And, you know, she's like, you know, how can we trust him when they're not telling us everything? So then later, Gobi goes to Hera about going on a supply run. She's like, well, I can't go and everything. And he's like, he's like, oh, that's too bad. I was going to let you fly this time. So, of course, she wants to go, which is, I mean, there's no point in her going. So as the ship leave, Crosshair shoots a thing, you know, and tags the ship. And, you know, he reports back that, you know, they just left and, you know, Gobi left. He's not alone. So it turns out that they're going to get weapons. You know, it's, that's the supplies that they're going. They they land on some other planet or moon or something like that. The clones, a Bad Batch arrives. Sid sent them with uh, three dozen blasters in the case of thermal detonators. Hera sees Omega and, and, you know, goes to the ship. And she's like, what kind of ship is this? She's like, it's a modified something or whatever. And she's like, can I look inside? And, you know, Hunter says it's okay. So they're, they're looking around or they talk about flying. Omega isn't allowed to fly until she can recite all of the ship's, ship specs from memory or something like that. Then, um, you know, Hera's like, oh, but it's not just about that. You know, it's flying is a feeling and whatever. Omega shows Hera her favorite part, um, the gunner mount, which is her room. And she's like, you live on a starship? She's like, that's my dream, you know, to do that, whatever. So they, they, it's time for them to leave. They go back to Ryloth. But then an Imperial ship is going to intercept them. Crosshair shoots out their engine and they, they crash to the ground. And then uh, troopers are sent in to, to move in on them. So Rampart arrives. Crosshair tells them that the three were caught smuggling in weapons onto the planet. Rampart goes to Hera and says that um, her involvement in such matters uh, is most distressing. Senator Taz there and he's like, Cham is behind us. She's a proof, whatever. He's like, he's playing an uprising. And then Hera, she's like, that's not true. And Rampart's like, you know, there's no actual proof that Cham is involved. So, you know, they have to be careful because, you know, with this sway over people, they can't like make false accusations or whatever. And then he's like, but this Syndulla is involved. What, you know, he's talking about Hera. So then, uh, you know, they're going to do something to him. The trooper's like, but she's only a child. I think it was Hauser. But then uh, Tao's like, take them away. So Crosshair notices that some of Gobi's people are like on a ridge watching. And he's like, should I take them out? But Rampart's like, no, leave them. Let them report back. So Cham and Eleni hear about Hera getting taken. Chopper comes in. Then he, I guess he found out that uh, they're guilty of treason. And Eleni's like, there hasn't even been a trial yet. So they're being transferred away, like in a tank thing. So they're getting ready to take the, the tank out. And then, you know, they start attacking. Then Senator Taz, like, it's Sindula. And he orders the troopers attack. The convoy gets cut off. The, the comms are shut off. Rampart's like, oh, we should just surrender. And then uh, they, the door opens up. And Eleni's there. So her, her arrows are reunited with the mom. And she's like, what's father going to do? And she's, you know, they're like, you know, Ta won't let this go. 
And, you know, Lainey's just like, oh, just let us worry about it. So Ta and Cham talk. Uh, Ta says, like, you know, this is treason. And Cham's like, you know, for years I've watched you work or whatever. He's like, you're the one guilty of treason. And he holds a blaster at Ta. And Hauser tells Cham, he's like, you know, think about what you're about to do. Elaine comes up and, like, pushes his blaster down. And she's like, you know, Ta's time will come, but not this way. So, and, you know, Hera's watching too. So, you know, maybe she's like, you know, don't kill this guy in front of your daughter. So Crosshair is getting ready to shoot. Uh, Rampert looks at Ta and says, thank you for playing your part, Senator. And then Ta gets shot in the head by Crosshair. Eleni orders Chopper. He's like, get Hera out of here because, you know, she's like on the ship. And then more troops come in. Rampert says, you know, arrest the insurgents for the attempted assassination of Orn Free Ta. And then Rampert tells Hauser to have their forces, you know, find a Syndulla girl. She, you know, she couldn't have gotten far. So I don't know if uh, Senator Todd was killed or not because he got shot in the head. And, uh, you know, it's cartoon Star Wars. So it's not like there's, you know, it's just like a black mark. So maybe it's just off the side of his head. So, it's, you know, it's just injured him. And, you know, but whatever. You know, he doesn't know what happened. He'll still think you know he might think he that cham did it i don't know but that's how it ends so uh like i said it's, it's kind of interesting that you know very little of the bad batch but more about basically hera and you know her history and everything like that so it was cool seeing young hera and seeing chopper and then more of like what rampart's doing and crosshair's involvement and everything like that but so i i was, I was fine with it you know it, it mixes things up it's fleshing out this little corner this little time period and everything like that but it was weird that it was almost like a little segue, but that's fine. Okay, then Loki, Season 1, Episode 5, Journey into Mystery. So at the TVA, uh, a shot pans into like the timekeeper room. Um, then it cuts to the other planet. You see Destroyed City. There's this like black cloud with lightning or whatever. Loki gets up. And uh, the other Lokis are there, and he asks them, you know, who are they and where are they? The older one, which I think they refer to as classic Loki, he's like, this is the Void. That's Eliath. He's like, and we're his lunch. So they're like, come on. And there's like something big in a cloud. It's almost like this like smoke dragon beast or something like that. So Sylvie gets uh, Ravona's temp pad, I think. And she asks her, she's like, who's really behind the TVA? And Ravona's like, she's like, I'm as in the dark as you are. Then Sylvie says, she's like, your whole world has crumbled apart. She's like, how does it feel to be on the other side of it? Then Ravona tries to negotiate. She's like, what if what if I said Loki wasn't dead? And Sylvie's like, you're lying. And she's like, maybe, you know, or, she's like, or maybe, you know, we want the same thing. Sylvie's like, how is he still alive? And, you know, how will saving him get to the truth of who's behind the TVA? Ravona says that, you know, she wants to know who lied to her as well. She's, she's like, when they prune a branch reality, it's impossible to destroy all of its matter. So they move it to a place on a timeline where it won't continue growing. So the branch timeline isn't reset. It's transferred to a void at the end of time where every instance of existence collides at the same point and simply stops. And then uh, the dogma is that the end, end of time is still being written or something like that. The timekeepers are transforming it into a utopia. So whatever the reason, nothing ever comes back from there. So she's like, if she can help if Sylvie were to trust her, and so then Sylvie gives her the temp pad back. Um, the Lokis are rushing off. Now, at this point, which I need to rewatch this, but I believe at one point you see a helicopter, like a smash helicopter, because, you know, the, the, it's like the city looks like war torn or whatever, all this stuff. There's a helicopter that says Thanos on us. It's a friggin' Thanos copter, was there. 
I totally missed it, so I need to go back and. I, I mean, I've seen it still. If you could look, if you look up Thanos copter on you know the internet, you Google, you'll you'll see a still from it. Which, but that makes sense if it's the end of time. Everything, whatever is dumped there from all different pruned realities, so it doesn't really mean anything. But it was basically a Easter egg. For, for us so loki you know as, as they're rushing up loki wants to ask a thousand questions he wants to know what their plan is um the i think classic loki's like don't die or whatever and loki's like that's not a plan and he's like if, if we're loki's you know we should always have a plan he starts demanding to know what's going on he doesn't even know you know how long it's been since new york you know he was pruned and he woke up there you know surrounded by variants including an alligator he's like now we're running from god knows what to god knows where which i thought it was weird that he says god knows what I mean, like saying that there is one God, even though they're supposed to be gods or whatever. He's like, you know, we should be figuring out how to get back to the TVA. Kid Loki puts a dagger, uh, pulls a dagger on him. He tells him to stop yelling or he'll alert Eliath. He's like, you mean that monster in the sky? And Kid Loki's is like, yeah, this this is a place that the TVA dumps this rubbish. He's like, everything they, they prune, Eliath ensures that no one returns. So Loki's surprised that the alligator is a Loki too. He's like, that's that's a Loki too, whatever. Then he's like, okay. He's like, whatever. He's like, I accept that. Then he asks classic Loki why he lets a kid give the orders. And then classic Loki says that it's his kingdom. And Loki asks him, he's like, you know, what did he do to cause this nexus? And he's like, I killed Thor. So they keep going. They go into this uh, bomb shelter. And it kind of pans down like Simpson style whenever it cuts through the ground. And you even see there's like a Mjolnir buried there. And I, I guess inside, this is something else I missed. Inside the bunker, I think there's there's Throg. There's like a Thor frog in a jar. I totally missed that as well. Classic Loki asks Loki why he wants to return to TVA so badly. And he's like, um, you know, he's like, did you leave your glorious purpose there? And he's like, something like that. And he looks around and uh, he sees, you know, stuff like Kid Loki's throne and all that. Ravona asks Miss Minutes to remote access a series of restricted files from the archives. So, one from the beginning, around the beginning of time, the founding of the TVA. Sylvie asks, she's like, what about the end of time? And Ravona's like, there's nothing there. But Sylvie's like, well, ask if there's something. So, Ravona nods Miss Minutes to include these files too. Uh, Sylvie mentions that you know she was able to hide in worlds that were ending. So with the end of time, if it's still being written, whatever happens is just a new timeline, and it would be impossible to start a nexus event there or something like that. So she's like, you know, you could be completely undetectable. There's no no way there or something like that. You know, through the void would be suicide. Miss Minutes jumps in and says, she's like, well, what about the void spacecraft? And Ravon is like, it's just a prototype. So it turns out that uh, Miss Minutes, she's like, oh, just a minute, still looking. You know, she was basically stalling for Ravona. So guards uh, bust in, and uh, she says that, you know, Ravona's like, you know, she's like, I know where you hide. She's like, sooner or later, they'll, they'll catch you. And uh, Ravona's like, you know, I could just put you in a time loop. You know, uh, Sylvie basically ducks around and is like hiding. She's like, I could just put you in a time loop, one with a happy memory. She's like, do you have any of those? And she's like, just one. And I'm not sure what that meant, if it's supposed to be one with Loki. But I don't know. Then she twists the baton thing. She stands up, and then she prunes herself. And they all kind of look around. And, you know, 100 like, she's self-pruned, whatever. And Ravona's like, good. It's like, then she's dead, too. And she walks out. So uh, the other Loki, the black Loki, which is referred to, you know, we shouldn't call him that. He's referred to as boastful Loki. 
because he says that after he vanquished Captain America and then Iron Man, he claimed his prize, all six Infinity Stones. Loki looks at him disbelief. The alligator, <laughs> alligator Loki's in a kiddie pool. He growls something. Classic Loki's like, that's alligator for growling and saying liar at the same time. Then, um, then he counters uh, whatever. He's like, at least my nexus wasn't eating the wrong neighbor's cat. Then alligator Loki jumps up out of the pool and, and jumps up and bites his hand. Uh, classic Loki and regular Loki jump up to separate them. Kid Loki just watches from his throne with a, a smile, then tells classic Loki to tell his story. He says, no one wants to hear that, but Loki's like, I would. So he says that, you know, they're supposed to die. You know, he's like, Thanos kills us after Ragnarok, right? And then classic Loki says that in his timeline, everything went fine until Thanos attacked their ship. But, you know, Loki's like, didn't you try stabbing him? And he's like, no. He's like, you know, he's like, the blades are worthless in the face of a Loki sorcery. He's like, they stunt their magical potential or something like that. So then, uh, but then I think boastful Loki's like, but they look awesome or something like that. So classic Loki says, oh, yes, especially when they clatter to the ground. Then he, he says he casts a perfect projection of himself so real that even the Mad Titan believed it. He po- posed as broken debris. So he faked, faked his death. Then he simply drifted into space away from everything. So he says he thought about his place in the universe, you know, every, everywhere that, you know, he went, pain followed. So he re- removed himself from everything for a long time. Then Loki's like, how did the TVA find you? So classic Loki, so he's like, I got lonely. He's like, you know, I missed my brother. And he says, you know, I stepped um, one foot off the planet and TVA got him. So he's like, you know, we have one role to play. You know, the, he's like, we're the god of outcasts. So he raises a toast to the god of outcasts. <laughs> and what's funny is because, you know, they're drinking like mead or wine or whatever. But kid Loki has like a high C juice box. So Loki decides he's leaving. He's like, you know. Uh, he's going to go out into space and back to the TVA or whatever. He's like, they're, you know, they're good at surviving, but they're also good at escaping. Um, the Loki's like, he's like, you'll be murdered. He's like, well, that's fine. He's like, that was my destiny anyways. Then Loki, kid Loki's like, what's different about you? And Loki's like, nothing. He's like, we're all the same. Then he, Loki asks, he's like, have you met a woman variant of us? Classic Loki's like, oh yeah, she's terrible. And Loki agrees, but he says that she's different. And he says that, you know, she needs him. And says that, you know, he's going to kill Eliath. He could use all the help he can get. They look at him and then they start laughing. So he goes alone. He opens a hatch and there's a whole bunch of other Lokis looking down at him, including like President Loki, because you know, he's got the button that says vote for Loki or whatever. And he's like, which one are you? Sylvie wakes up in an old school bus. There's like lightning outside. Smoke comes slamming down. The bus deter- gets like all starts riding away and deteriorates. She runs. A car is headed her way and it's like beeping. So she runs towards it, has like a pizza, you know, thing on the top, whatever. It's Mobius. So she's surprised. And then he, you know, because he like skids and opens the door. And he's like, you know, you should be careful just, you know, jumping in a stranger's car like that. So uh, apparently, uh, boastful Loki betrayed them. So President Loki uh, turns a deal around and he says that he's going to claim it or something like that. But then, uh, his army betrays them or something like that. So they're all like turning on each other. And then he's like, why is there an alligator in there? And then they are like, it's a Loki, whatever. It jumps up and it chomps President Loki's hand off. So then they all start fighting. Uh, Loki leaves with classic Loki and Kid Loki. And Kid, Kid Loki's carrying alligator Loki. through. They go through like a portal. Loki thinks that uh, Sylvia is their only chance to stop the TVA. Classic Loki 
says that fighting a lieth is a death sentence, but they'll help him get to it, but that's as far as they go. So Mobius and Sylvie are driving. She figures Loki is already dead from that cloud thing. And she says that, you know, the only thing that matters is getting out of there into the TVA. So she tells Mobius to turn around. They watch Eliath eat like a battleship of sailors. And, you know, Loki figures that while it's eating, they can sneak around back and kill it. But then it's like, nope, uh, that, you know, it doesn't, that's not going to work. A car approaches. Loki is surprised to see a car approaching, but then he's happy to see Sylvie and Mobius. So he explains who the others are. He says that he's going to kill Eliath. Sylvie thinks that Eliath is just a guard dog protecting what, who, you know, whatever is in charge. And she says that she's going to enchant it. She's going to enchant Eliath. Ravona uh, goes to visit Hunter B-16 because she's like in a holding cell. And she asks, she's, uh, she's like, why are you here? Whatever. Ravona says that, you know, she was disloyal. And, you know, she's like, did she think she'd escape punishment? And B-15's like, disloyal to who? S- she says that, you know, she's like, you were in the timekeeper's chambers. Like, they weren't real. Ravona asks, she's like, why would that change anything? And B-15 says, the people need to know the truth. Ravona says that the TVA needs stability. And, you know, she wants to know what drives the variant. And then she says revenge drives her, killing the timekeepers, but they're fake. So she'll be seeking whoever created them. B-15 says this isn't about protecting the TVA. She just wants to know who's, you know, behind all of this. And then B-15 says Ravona won't find them before the variant does. It's like, you know, she's like, you just want it. The variant needs it. So Ravona leaves. She calls up Miss Minutes, and she asks for all the files on the founding of the TVA, everything from the beginning of time. And uh, Miss Minutes is like, that's a tall order. Ravona says that, you know, whoever created the place is in danger, and she needs to protect them. So classic Loki talks to Mobius about the alligator. Mobius says that he doesn't remember him, and he says that, you know, he could be lying. It could be a long con, but then that would make him more likely to be a Loki because he's like, you know, maybe the alligator is not a Loki. <laughs> so he's like, it's always uh, the game with them. Then kid Loki asks Mobius, what will he do if he gets back to the TVA? Mobius says people need to, you know, he, he wants to tell people the truth. Classic Loki says that he's going to just turn his back on the, the thing that he devoted his whole life to. And Mobius says he likes to think that it's never too late to change. So Mobius is a good guy. Sylvie tells Loki uh, Mobius isn't so, you know, they're off sitting alone. She's like, well, you know, Mobius isn't so bad. And then she's like, he cares about you. And uh, it's cold, you know, as they're sitting there. So Loki makes a cloak for himself. He conjures it up. And he's like, I could conjure one for you. And she's like, well, could you conjure me a new outfit? She's like, this thing is hard to move in or whatever. Because, you know, like whatever the leather outfit. She says uh, um, she doesn't know how to do this or something like that. And, you know, she doesn't have any friends or anything. But then, you know, as they're sitting there talking, he makes the, the blanket wrap around her as well. So then she asks, how does she know that in the final moments he won't betray her? And Loki's like, I betrayed everyone, you know, who I've ever loved who's ever loved me or whatever he's like my father my brother my home he's like i know what i did and why i did it he's like that's not who i am anymore he's like i won't let you down and she says that if they make it and the tva is gone there might be a timeline for him to rule and then he smiles and he's like and then i'd finally be happy then he asks he's like well what will you do when this is over and she says she doesn't know loki says he doesn't either he's like maybe they could figure it out together and she says, maybe. So so here's the thing. Does Loki have the hots for Sylvie? Because Sylvie is himself. So does he have the hots for himself? 
which again would make sense because he's such a narcissist. So I don't know. So the cloud and lightning are approaching. They're standing on the hillside watching Mobius. He's like, what's our, what's the next move? And Sylvie says the TVA needs to be brought down. They don't know uh, where they are, but Elia, that thing does. So she's like, when, when it hit her earlier, she linked to it and it was brief, but she, she got a glimpse. She caught a glimpse of something and she thinks that she can get close enough to it. She can enchant it. And, and then it'll take her to whoever's behind all of this. So she hands Loki a temp pad, and then um, then he says that he's staying. If she goes, that he goes. So he hands it to Mobius, and to Mobius he's like, "Well, I'll, I'll give my regards or your regards to Renslayer or something like that." And, and Sylvie's like, "Oh, please do." So Ravona, Mobius asks uh, the other Loki's if they want to take it out of there, and they're like, "No." He's like, "This is our home." Kid Loki gives Loki a dagger. Mobius opens up a portal. Loki. Asks him what he'll do at the TVA, and Moby's like, burn it to the ground. He's like, thanks for the spark. See you later, Loki. And then Loki hugs him. He's like, thanks, my friend. And then uh, Moby's like, you are my favorite. So Loki and Sylvia are left alone. They start approaching the cloud, They but they have to wait for a branch to start forming uh, in the timeline, I guess. Loki runs and distracts it. Sylvie starts enchanting it. Uh, the, the cloud head is about to, to chomp Sylvie, but then classic Loki uses a spell to create an illusion of Asgard to get its attention. Sylvie asks Loki, she's like, how is he doing that? And Loki says that he thinks that they're stronger than they realize. So classic uh, Loki yells, go! And then she holds Loki's hand, says that they're going to enchant it. Loki's like, I don't know how. And she's like, um, that they can do it because they're the same. So they, they grab a tendril of smoke, and the illusion, but the illusion's starting to fall because um, classic Loki can only hold it for so long. Then Eliath is heading towards classic uh, Loki. Glorious purpose! He starts laughing and then chomp. Only his helmet is left behind. So Eliath ate classic Loki, so he sacrificed himself. Sylvie, and but that's what he wanted. He wanted glorious purpose, so I, hopefully that was it. Sylvie and Loki continue as a head comes toward them, then it dissipates. Sylvie tells Loki to open his eyes. There's a green light, and a portal opens up. They can see a structure on the other side, and they start walking towards the opening. And that's where it ends. So the big question is, who is behind the TVA? I think, um, I haven't like read any rumors or speculation but i i think some people are wondering if kang is going to appear that would make sense i mean if kang is going to be was kang going to be in is he going to be in ant-man and ant-man and wasp quantum of quantum manium quantumania so if i mean obviously marvel likes to tease other characters and other other things so Maybe they're gonna tease King in here, because I mean, who else would be behind a TVA if it's not if not King? So we'll have to see. But that was the episode. I mean, so I like I said, I'm I'm still digging the show, and um, it's weird and wacky, but it's not like too weird and wacky. So it's I don't know. It's, it's just a, it's it's a, a great blend of of everything. So it's it's good stuff. And then um, this is gonna be like super short. There is a Simpsons short, The Good, The Bart, and The Loki. So on Disney Plus, they've been doing these, you know, some Disney shorts. I think they've done two two other ones. I don't think they've done three. But the other ones have seen to be with dealing with Maggie. And uh, it's it's weird watching kind of like a 
like a four minute Simpsons episode, you know, like that's the whole thing. But uh, it starts off um, the there's like a Simpsons logo, which is similar to the Loki logo with like the different letters. And then uh, so we see Odin and Thor are standing they're on, like, on the rainbow bridge with Loki and they're telling Loki that uh, for crimes against Asgard, he's being banished to Earth. And, he, and he's like, whatever, that's fine. But then he's being banished to Springfield. And he's like, no. So he gets sent there. He lands outside Bart's treehouse. And Bart like comes out. He's like, oh, are you okay? And then uh, so then the next scene, this is going to be like super short. He's sitting at, at the dinner table. Homer's like, oh, the boy says you're magic. He's like, can you turn one pork chop into two? And he he does that. And then Homer bows down. He's like, he's like bowing down to Loki because he could do that. Lisa's like, he's like, oh, the last thing the world needs is more pork chops and then bart like says get her and she's like what so lisa gets banished to a prison for some reason in this prison mjolnir's there so she takes it she turns into thor she returns with the springfield avengers which makes no sense whatever and then uh they start fighting so then she takes loki she's gonna banish banish loki by throwing him really far the, the problem is it was really Bart that she threw. And Loki's, like, now sleeping in Bart's bed, whatever. And he's like, finally, a functional family. And then, like, Homer tucks him in. And he says something. I forget what he, he said at the end. It's almost like Homer knows, but he doesn't care or something like that. Then it turns out there's actually after credit scenes. And, you know, Loki's brought the judge, Renslayer, and, and stuff. And so it was uh, it was okay. I mean... There, there was a sign when you see the the Springfield Avengers. Someone's like, "This is what happens when Disney buys, you know, Fox and Marvel or something like that." And so they're making fun of themselves, but which is fine. So that that was a fine episode. Okay, now is Resident Evil Infinite Darkness. So this is what I've been waiting for for a while. It is a Resident Evil. It's they're calling it anime, but it's it's basically Resident Evil CG. It's just like the three movies that I talked about on the Secret Podcast. So if you want to hear about those, you can support the show at the same time. Become a patron. You can hear how those movies went down. So um, what's interesting about this is when I I don't really know a whole lot about this, and I don't know how much information was out there. I know that this is taking place. Um, Oh, now I'm forgetting. It's taking place during year 2006. I think it's after. I think it's between three and four, maybe. I'm sure it, you you know. But so what's weird is I think this takes place after the first movie before, but it's before the other two movies, which seems weird that they're jumping back at this time. But there's this like this six year gap, I guess that you know they could do this. But the other thing that that's weird is when this came out, I was like. You know, I was trying to figure out, I, I think I may have mentioned that, uh, you know, I had a very tight week. So it's like, you know, trying to get all this stuff recorded and watch more so record it, uh, you know, so I can get the podcast out on time. I was like, OK, I, I want to watch all of this. I was like, am I going to be able to watch all of it or am I only going to be able to watch half of it and then, you know, talk about it? But then I was like, oh, there's only four episodes. Then I was like, well, how long are episodes? Are they hour long episodes? No. They're like 25-minute episodes or something like that. So basically, since there's four episodes, this is essentially another Resident Evil movie that's being broken into four parts. 
So it's kind of weird. It doesn't really need to be broken into four parts. It, it's not really a series because it is just a movie. I kind of liked it being broken down because it does make it easy. Like if you want to, like halfway through, I, I paused, I went and got lunch. And then I watched another part. And then I went to watch uh, Black Widow. And then when I came back, then I watched the last episode. So it just makes it easier to stop it versus, I mean, yeah, you can just stop a movie in between, but it's not as whatever you know you get what i'm saying it doesn't matter let's just get started so it starts off we see a helicopter um going over like a war-torn city there's like smoke it's the republic of Penamstan, and they're 70 miles from the u.s military base so i'm gonna i'm gonna spoil the whole thing so just be aware um if you plan on watching it this is what's what's gonna happen if you're not planning on watching it you can listen and see uh, one helicopter gets hit, starts falling. Um, the others are told to stand by, but one uh, wants to, you know, they, they, they kind of zoom in. You know, they're looking and they're, they're seeing like this car dragging some or whatever. So this unit is like the mad dogs and they're refusing to listen to orders stand down. So they, they go down there. They end up getting captured or something like that because they go to the fallen helicopter and there's like a body in there. They pull him out. He's still alive. But then would the enemy whatever shoots like a rocket at the fallen helicopter from the other side and explodes and then we see them like hanging in the town square and then one of the the captured troops opens his eyes and then they're like yellow so it's like what the heck is going on so this was in 2000 october 2000 cuts to 2006 present day so it's a republic of panamstan there's it's a un refugee camp claire redfield's there and you know she's helping out. She's trying to talk to this kid in a wheelchair. She finds out that he's mute, um, and then so you know this guy tells her that. So she's like, "Well, you're safe and everything like that." And she notices he has a sketchbook. She's like, "Can I look at your book?" And uh, the, there's one picture. There's like this zombie destruction um, that's like drawn drawn at the town square because you can see like soldiers hanging in the back. She's like, "You drew this or whatever." So then we see a helicopter flying to the White House. Um, Leon S. Kennedy is in there. And uh, so other people are talking about her, like, who's this guy coming? Why are we, he's late? Why are we waiting on him? And, you know, someone's like, you know, he saved the president's daughter. Um, one guy's like, you know, this guy's complaining. He's like, oh, he's just a golden boy because he was at the wrong place at the right time or something like that. And uh, but then so they, they get brought into the president. Uh, someone was trying to get unauthorized files from the president or something like that. One of their servers was compromised because they have like local servers or something like that. Pentagon military secrets were in there and stuff like that. So they're like, it had to be an inside job because, you know, there is a, their internal server or whatever it was attacked. They're going to check like the surveillance footage, but, you know, there's like so much to look over, something like that. So the team of four is supposed to try to find out who accessed it. One guy thinks that uh, one of the um, defense secretary, I think, he thinks that China has been launching a cyber war against them. President doesn't think it's them. But then the power goes out in the building. So the Secret Service busts in. Um, backup power isn't coming on. So one of the guys, Jason, he's a military hero. And um, the, I forget, the, I missed the other guy's name, the, the complaining guy. So I'm just going to call him complaining guy. The complaining guy and Jason, they go, go to check things out. Around a the corner, there's this guy staggering in the hall. It's a press secretary. Um, he has like a pain in the neck or something like that. And he has like a head wound. So um, Jason's going to go upstairs to check, uh, see what's going on there. Press secretary starts to, um, he says, uh, or the press secretary is starting to go into cardiac arrest. So complaining guys getting ready to, you know, do zap him or do something like that. But then the, the press secretary sits up 
and then uh, he's zombified. Zombified. So um, the complaining guy's like pointing his gun at him, shoots him several times, but he keeps coming at him, and then he gets shot. <sighs> Leon's there, and he tells the dude, he's like, "You have to shoot him in the head because no one knows this." So Leon, Jason, and the other, you know, they they start getting the heavy guns out. They all rush to get the president to a bunker, you know, them and the Secret Service. In the bunker, um, Jason tells the, I think the complaining guy's name was Patrick, maybe. He tells him to say with the, the president. Um, so he wants the, the fourth person, Shen Mei, that, that was called in. So he wants Shen Mei and Leon to go with him. Uh, um, this Patrick dude's a little shaken and he thanks Leon for saving him. So the three head out, and then they go separate ways. Uh, Jason takes out s- several zombies and stuff like that. Shen Mei investigates this other area. She comes across a zombie in the dark. Then Jason comes up behind her, and like very stupidly, he's like super quiet, and she's like turns again. What what I liked it when she's like checking out this room, you know, because she has her gun and a flashlight, because you know they always hold them together. But she's like just turning the light on and turning it off and looking. Then turns the lights on and off. Because I always think it's weird when they have the, the light on their gun and they're walking around. If someone's hiding there, they can see someone is coming. And then once they see that, if you're hiding in a dark, in a corner or something like that, you can see where the person is because, hey, there's a light. And, you know, unless it shines right in your eyes and blinds you, you know where they're coming. So I kind of like how she was like shining it and turning it off and then going around, shining it, turn it off. So anyways, but then Jason's like right behind her and it's just like she could have turned around and shot him, but he didn't care, which I guess makes sense later. <laughs> so uh, then uh, Leanne takes out a few. He see there's another helicopter coming or something like that. Hazmat guys come. They, they check and take the bodies. Leanne wonders if it's another T-virus. Um, Jason asks, he's like, well, how did it get it in the White House? And Leanne was like, well, who's behind it? So Claire is in a lobby trying to find a press secretary, but, you know, obviously he's dead now and because she has an appointment. So this is like the next day or something like that. Um, one dude says like that he's on leave and, you know, she has a wrong date or something like that. Then she sees Leon. She's like, Leon? And so they, they talk. She's there with reps from the, the Penam Stan provisional government. And she asks, it, you know, if he'll look at a drawing that this boy drew from the Civil War six years ago. And she's like, doesn't it look like Raccoon City? And she can't get anyone to go on record about it or something like that. Then she sees Jason, the hero, Panamstan, and Leanne says that he's like, well, I got to go because you know, he's like waiting for Leanne. And he's like, don't do anything stupid. And, you know, so then she tells him, she's like, by the way, because he's wearing a suit. She's like, that outfit doesn't suit you. So um, this dude's talking to the president, something about China and a bio research facility in Shanghai. <laughs> and uh, he wants to send a team to check it out um this other dude's like well it'll take the cia and other approval and stuff like that and the, but then the president thinks about his daughter and he's like just just do it so they're gonna send a team out there without proper approval and all that stuff so then in guam uh leon shen may and jason they go in a submarine they're gonna you know head over to china i guess their mission is to infiltrate the facility find evidence that the chinese are hacking and leon's like well why don't we just hack them you know, why, why are we going? And Jason's like, it's classified. And then uh, he's like, well, do, is there any information on the facility that we can, you know, like, that's classified. Then Leanne asks Shen Mei, because uh, I think Jason gets him leave. He's like, oh, you want to have dinner when this is over? And she's like, sure, but I have a young man waiting for, for me. And he's like, so, and she's like, it's classified for now. 
So <laughs> Leon's trying to get a date. Leon hears uh, Jason, like he's walking down the hall. He hears him in pain or something like that. He has like a syringe or something. He's like sitting in a, in a room. And um, then Leon just keeps walking. So there's a flashback to the town square. The little boy, the mute boy, did, did the drawing. He's hiding like in this grate. Like, and he, the, the soldier with the yellow eye starts attacking. The other soldiers start attacking. Chomp, chomp, chomp. Um, there's even like a half-severed torso hanging there. And the boy's like watching it all. And that's the end of the first episode. Uh, second episode, um, this dude arrives at a house. There's like flies buzzing. He has like a paper bag and he drops it and syringes fall out. So then we're like, wait, is that Jason? So I think this was like in the past or something like that. In the present, Leanne brings, uh, he's like, he, w- he wakes Jason about because he was obviously having a flashback. He's like, hey, hey. He's like, Jason, I'm like right here. <laughs> he's like, do you want to talk about it? So then we see Claire. She's in a motel room, and she's doing some research. She's trying to figure out like all the stuff about Panam Stan. Uh, Mad Dog Yuna is all listed as having committed suicide. The only survivors were Jason and one other, something like that. So then there's a flashback again to the squad landing to check on a fallen helicopter, the explosion. They manage to get the one survivor's body to the building. They try calling for backup. Then uh, then they're in this other room. So it like cuts from there to this other room. They see like there's this body in a body bag moving and they're like, you know, what's going on or whatever. And the place was bombed. Like, you know, something was being hidden. Like they're trying to scrub the whole place. Then Shen Mei comes in and they're like, like, what's she doing here? So she was like, you know, like a lower level soldier or something. I don't know. In the present Shen Mei, um, she's thinking she has this locket. She's looking at someone. So I was like, is this a, like a dead lover brother? Like who's, who's this picture? We don't know yet. We'll find out. So the sub submarine is 12 nautical miles from where they're going. Jason starts talking to Leon. He talks about being called a hero, Panamstan. He's like some effing hero, whatever. He's like every night he has the same nightmare about that day. And he he tells Leon, he's like, you have no idea what it's like or something like that. And Leon's like, you know, I've been through stuff too. And he's like, Raccoon City. And Jason's like, they sterilized that place. He's like, you were there? And Leon's like, yeah. He's like... I was a rookie late as hell on my first day. He's like, that's why I was still alive. He's like, there were zombies everywhere. He's like, I remember people screaming and moaning. He's like, you know, they'd get bit and turn. He's like, it was terrifying. He's like, there's no way to describe it except, and Jason's like, hell. He's like, the government wiped it up and covered it up. You know, they they destroyed a city to save the country. And Leon's like, there were people and family alive in there. He's like, they didn't even try to get them out. He's like, you can't save a country if you don't give a damn about it. And Jason's, he starts going off uh, this rant. He's like, the root of terror starts with fear. And he's like pointing to his head. He's like, humans fear the unknown. He's like, there's nothing more unknowable than us as a species. He's like, we can be cruel, especially when we're trying to survive. But then the sub gets hit by something, you know, it starts shaking. So they all run up front and uh, there's some like, guys are knocked out or whatever. One guy has like a bloody throat. Everyone's d- d- dead in there. And then uh, Leon's going to have his gun. He's like, oh, we're in a pressurized you know, cabin or whatever. So Leon has to pull out his knife because if you play the Resident Evil games, you know those stupid knives. So then they, they split up and they, they go looking. There's more bodies like everywhere. Like I don't know how many crew were on the sub, but there's like so many dead bodies. Shen Mei finds some other guys, and she says that um, they're – their, the submarine might be contaminated by an unknown virus. So she tells them that you have to like seal the doors and everything. And then uh, Shen Mei and Jason start killing this part of the crew. So it's like, what is going on? Leon walks by a bathroom. He hears like this crawling noise, like in a sink or something like that. He finds more dead bodies. And the flesh is like crunching under like one of them's shirt. 
a friggin' zombie rat pops up and starts skittering all over. Um, he manages to smash it with a fire extinguisher, which is gross. And then behind him, there's more movement. At the same time, the alarm starts going off and red lights start flashing. Code 13, um, the sub will self-destruct. <laughs> it's like, okay, great. A swarm of rats pops up uh, out of a dead body. There's like way too many rats in this body. It's just like, like this like avalanche of zombie rats or whatever. Uh, so the, the lights are flashing, whatever. Leon runs out. There's a crap ton of zombie rats on the ceilings too. It's like, where are these all coming from? Um, he hacks at a like a water pipe with an axe, and you know as, as the rats are come crawling on the gr- ground, and he also cuts like an electrical cable, and then he like jumps up and hangs from the pipes while all the rats get get zapped. He finds more dead crew. Um, there's like 60 seconds until self destruct. Uh, he goes to a hatch, and then uh, Shen Mei is there and points a gun at him. Jason lowers her gun, saying that you know she'll kill them all if she tries shooting him. And Leon's like, he's like, am I interrupting something? The sub blows up, but this escape pod shoots away. So the three of them are safe, I guess. They don't really show it. It's like, wait, what's going on? President here is about an SOS signal. No word um, since. You know, they don't know what happened to the sub. Uh, supposedly, there's a Chinese vessel nearby that, that caused. But it's like, no, it was zombies that, that caused this. In the Shanghai People's Republic of China, Lian, Jason, and Shen Mei, they go to this apartment. She says it's secure. There's like, you know, there's like all the tricks. Hair taped to the door. She uses a knife to like slice other tape on the door. And Leon sees there's blood on her blade. She's like, hmm. And then they inside there's a bunch of weapons and they're loading up their, their guns and everything like that. Leon asks Jason if he wants to brief them since uh, he made it, since or since they made it to shore or whatever. Um, he's like, let's start with what, what you're really after. And he's like, you know, you killed a crew, so it must be a major op. And he's he's like if they're, they're not really going to break into the facility, why are they really there? Um, Shen Mei walks in with supplies, and so she's like around the corner. She hears him talking. So Jason finally says, he's like, Shen Mei and I are on different missions. He's like, you know, they're looking for something else. And Shen Mei's like listening into this. He says that, you know, the proof that will expose a conspiracy by the U.S. government. And Lian says like, oh, treason. He's like, fun. Jason debates, you know, he's, there's like some guns in a table. He debates like reaching for a gun to try to shoot Leon or for a cigarette. He's like, well, they'll just cover it up. He's like, they're good at covering things up. And Leon's like, where's your proof? And Jason says that Leon is going to help them get it. And he's, but Leon's not too keen since they, you know, killed a sub full of people. And Leon's like, he's like, you, you can just tell them about it and at your court martial. And so Jason's like, so you're not going to help us then? He's like, nope. They draw their guns, whatever. Uh, Leon shoots Jason like in the heart, like like right in the chest. And then Shen Mei starts shooting at him, and she runs away. That's the end of the second episode. Episode three, Claire is outside the spooky house at night. It's like, what are you doing? Why? She goes inside. You know, there's there's pic. They're like on a end table. There's like a frame picture of the the Mad Dog Squad there, and it's like bat like flies in her. Why is there a bat in the house? there's empty vials on the floor. Like this looks like what Jason used. And then there's a dead body on a chair. His head's blown off. There's like a shotgun next to him. So he's like suicide, I guess. Shen Mei, um, then she goes, she must escape. She's goes to some compound at night and Leon's like following her. Uh, this dude guard at the door. He's like, master UN is waiting for you. So she goes into the study and there's this uh, dude, some you know, tending to someone in a bed hooked up to like medical equipment. 
So I guess this guy's her grandfather. Um, Leon busts in with the guard at the door. He demands that she starts talking. So the man lying there in the bed, you can't see because there's like curtains around, like the, the uh, canopy curtains. So the, the guy in the bed is Jun Si. Um, he's her little brother. The U.S. government turned him into this, into something. We don't see him right away. And, he, you know, he's behind a curtain, you know, so we, so we, just, we can't see him. And uh, she says they're, they're trying to expose a conspiracy. She says that they're trying to get information that the defense secretary is behind all this, the defense secretary Wilson. So then we see a flashback, and she's the one telling at in the, the, the opening scene. She's the one at the whatever telling them to stand by because that's what you know she's supposed to tell the, all the copters. She hears this other dude um, talking about burning it all to the ground. So you know she wasn't involved with all this. Like I said, you know she was just like some low level soldier doing her job at the at the radio. So the Mad Dogs call asking for an evac. She walks in on them when they're all together. Um, Saying, you know, they're saying that if they talk, they're dead. And then she tells them what was going on from their last transmission. She sees the body bags moving. She slowly opens it as a soldier's watch. And then the zombie sticks his head out and she starts sobbing. So I guess that was her brother in the body bag. And he's like a zombie now. So Jun Si was with a special squad on a secret mission. The dude um, in charge, I guess, was also working for a pharmaceutical company making biochemical weapons. So... This, um, as we find out, is uh, what we're going to find out. I don't think we find out here, but it, it's a press or defense secretary Wilson is, is in, involved with this. So Claire's looking at the photo. She's like, so they all committed suicide. She turns it over and um, there's like a, a, a card in the back or something like that. Back to the mad dogs in the helicopter with the helicopter. Dude with It's her brother who's in the helicopter, uh, Shin May's brother. And, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to get back up. Jason talks to him. Um, so this is where he says his name is Jun Si. Jason tells him that they're on their own. They'll carry him back to base. Another one tells him there's something out there. And they see zombies attacking, like, the enemy, like, on this other building. One jumps in through the window. They, they start shooting and everything like that. One soldier gets bit in the leg. Another gets bit in a soldier. Jun Si says, inject, inhibitor, bag. He's like, you're bitten, inject. And Jun, Jason's like, why? He's like, he says, or you'll turn like them. Hurry. So Claire called the police to the house about the suicide. So they're, they're checking things out, whatever. There's another flashback. Jason tells Shin Mei that Jun Si shared his bit of the inhibitor. And Jason tells the others that they have to do something. So Jason um, didn't tell um, the headquarters about what happened. They contacted her grandfather. He's the head of some conglomerate in Shanghai. So he uses connections to smuggle Jun Si out. They kept getting inhibitors, um, and Wilson was supplying them. So he held them over their heads. He used the Mad Dogs for his personal covert operations. Then he got promoted to defense secretary because of everything that they were able to accomplish. He keeps uh, working with the uh, pharmaceuticals, whatever, on the side because he he just wants to make money and stuff like that. And uh, he wants uh, he wanted to basically get the president um, to go after China. Because whatever for his his plans, Shen Mei's grandfather has spent a fortune, you know, his like family fortune, whatever, trying to cure Jin Si. Um, Shen Mei says that you know she was looking for evidence against Wilson, and Jason wanted to get out from under his control, so that's why they worked together. 
After six years of digging, the proof that they needed to bring Wilson down was right under their noses. All the bioweapon soldiers have chips in their bodies to monitor their vitals. So apparently there was a chip in Jun C. Wilson thinks that all the evidence was burnt to ash or something like that. Jason believes that if they go public with the chip, they could put a stop to the development of bioweapons and stop Wilson from his evil plans. Then uh, the roof starts caving in. So the grandfather tries to shield Jin C on the bed. Uh, the fire starts. Leanne, you know, he jumps on on Shen Mei or whatever. He gets her to safety, even though she's trying to, you know, get to her her, her brother and her grandfather. Um, then this dude's talking to the president about his speech. He says the Chinese aren't going to be happy. They have to tread carefully. It'll be like poking a rattlesnake with a stick. This could affect the world economy. Maybe start a war. Um, and he says that, you know, they don't know that the Chinese attacked the sub and there's like some peace accord thing that I guess the president's supposed to sign or something like that. So w- whether it's this declaration against the Chinese or not outside, uh, the compound, Leon managed to get Shen Mei to safety. Cause she's like passed out at this point. Leon looks back and he's like, Jason, but isn't Jason dead? Claire tries talking to secretary Wilson. She mentions the soldiers who committed suicide. And he just ignores her and keeps walking. Leon has a chip um he and shin may are standing like outside rubble at a compound i guess the whole place is just like destroyed unless they're somewhere else but i think they were there so she wants a chip and he says that if she goes public everyone will be after her and she's like well we can't just let what happened in panamstan go you know get covered up so leanne says that jason didn't want justice he wants the world to know fear the fear that he and his men knew and then tear the whole world down or something like that claire goes back to her hotel room and she's looking at her all the pictures and files and stuff that she has up on a wall. The power goes out, so she grabs a lamp, and, and she's you can see someone's like starting to open the door. There's someone like in a suit. She attacks them, but um, the, they put up a fight. And someone else comes behind her and tases her, and she's out. So that's the end of the fourth episode or the third episode. The third episode uh, at the White House, President's looking over the accords again. At the Air Force Base, there's going to be a press conference. Um, Leanne calls Patrick, the complaining guy, whatever, about like you know what's been going on. Claire wakes up; she's tied to a chair. Defense Secretary Wilson's there. Um, they're in this like huge, crazy huge bio lab, and he tells her you know to drop her investigation. He, you know because he knows that she's working with the the relief whatever programs at Phnom Stan. He's like, you know, drop your investigations. I'll build whatever you age you want for the Phnom Stand people, you know, what are schools, hospitals, anything. He's like, oh, and I'll also let you live. And, you know, because he's saying how easy it would be just to make her disappear. Uh, he says the president's going to take a firm stance against uh, China today. He's making bioweapons for profit. They can make soldiers who never die as long as they keep taking an inhibitor. And she's like, what kind of monster are you? And she's like, oh, wait, you're just effing nuts. <laughs> and he like he gets mad. He like slaps her in the face with like the manila folder that he has. And he tells her to shut up. But she's just like being so sassy with him and everything like that. And he's like, he's like, I don't even have to convince you. He's like, I can just have you, you know, become infected. He's like, once infected, the inhibitor is the only thing that will keep you in check. He's like, and that w- will get you on my team or something like that. And then a voice calls out to him. And Jason's there. But Jason got shot. How is he there? Leanne and Shen Mei are running through a tunnel. Like they're actually headed to this place. I don't know how they knew to go there and how they got from Shanghai to wherever they're at. Um, Wilson tells Jason 
that now that he's officially dead, he'll be more valuable for the covert missions. Jason says that, you know, he's been dead for the past six years. And then he grabs uh, Wilson, like, by the head, like, smashes his head. Because there's, like, all these, like, pods with, like, bodies floating in the green liquid. So these must be, like, other infected soldiers or something like that or people. So he's, like, shoves them against the glass. And Wilson says that he's like, you need me. And he is like, it has inhibitors and he like drops some or something like that. And Jason's like, I don't need them anymore. And he like stomps on one, pushes his head, head harder. And then Jason starts transforming into like a tyrant, basically. And he bites uh, Wilson in the shoulder. An alarm goes off because it detects a rogue bioweapon. Sterilization sequence has been activated. And this is like an insane sequence. It's so ridiculous. Leon and Shen may arrive, just like partitions are sealing off the place or whatever. Claire sees Leon. She's like on the second level or something like that. She's still tied to the chair. Or her wrist, she's got like duct tape on her arms and feet or something like that. Liquid starts pouring into the place. Um, and then like the pods with bodies, they're being like pulled off and dumped into the liquid and dissolved. So it's like some like acid or something like that. So it's basically destroying everything. Because it detected some rogue bioweapon, I guess the idea is that everything could be contaminated. So it's just like, let's just destroy everything. And it's, it's, it seems like a waste. I mean, for whoever built it. Wilson staggering, you know, after being bit. Leon and Shen may see Jason. He's now a big tyrant you know, creature. Um, he says that he's going to end it. He's going to go up and show himself to the world. Shen Mei's like, but I have my brother's chip. She's like, you know, all we have to do is go public with it. And she's like, you can take another inhibitor. And Jason's like, that won't do anything. He's like, they'll still cover it up. So he wants to show them fear. He's like so gung-ho about making them scared. The liquid's still rising. It's reached Claire's level now. So she she's still sitting in a chair. She has to raise her feet so she doesn't start melting. Uh, Leanne's yelling at, at Jason to stop. But Jason wants to show fear. And you know he's like, terror is the only way to prevent this happening again Leon starts shooting him with the bullets but they just like bounce off him they don't do anything Jason just laughs he's like you can't stop me so he grabs like the, the catwalk thing that they're on he like pulls it up Shen Mei falls like on his side and uh you know Leon falls on the other and he's like she says that you know he's like you saved my brother she's like you don't have to die like like this and he's like I'm already dead and then he kills Shen Mei he like starts pulling it it's like what like I don't understand why he did that. Claire is able to uh, cut the duct tape like on a, the corner of like a computer console thing, and then she like you know takes the tape off her feet, which climbs up on a computer console. The liquid's still rising. She's screwed. Leon sees Claire and runs to her. He's like hanging off a platform, and he like reaches, and then he reaches out, pulls her, and she falls like right on top of him. And it's like, hey, are you okay? <laughs> President's getting ready for a press conference. That complaining guy, Patrick, whatever, he sees like, you know, the president, he tells the president, he's like, it wasn't China who's behind, you know, all this or who attacked the sub. And the president's like, where'd you get this this intel from? He's like, from Leon. So the president's like, hmm. So he goes, but it's time he has got to go talk to the press. He starts talking about that the U.S. needs to be a symbol of hope for those who seek freedom or salvation from terror. He's like, you know, they're, they're seeking a new path and they need to be there to guide them as they're trying to change things around or whatever. So he's like, we have to do everything to create peace and prosperity for them. Jason, meanwhile, is like jumping and climbing, like trying to get... So I, I don't know if they're underground, maybe, you know, that would make sense. And uh, Zlian takes an elevator up. He finds like some bazookas in the place. Claire's... Uh, She's at the controls, and you know, so Jason's like on this platform thing, and then she lowers it, um, the one that, that 
Jason's on. Leon shoots uh, the like the arm lever thing that's that's holding this big platform thing, but Jason managed to grab onto this like hanging hook. But before he can shoot another rocket, Jason reaches up top, and Leon starts shooting with like, you know, so he gets away. Leon now has like this heavy caliber gun. He blows off Jason's arm with this gun. So his guns just like shot, or his arms just shot off. But then uh, Jason grabs him by the throat, and he like throws him down. He's like, when they see me, the world will know terror. Leon, he's like by this lever conveniently. He hits it. And uh, he drops the platform that they're on, and Jason falls into the acid. Meanwhile, now Leon is his turn to hang by a cable. So I don't know how he was able to do this. Like very, he's very lucky. President keeps talking. He's getting lots of applause about all this stuff. Leon, uh, he goes down lower level. He sees like the melting remains of Jason's, just like his upper torso is like impaled on this piece, and he's still alive. He says, like, soon everyone will know. He's like, and he tells, he's like, you will help me spread fear. And then he just, like, slides into the acid. So now, now he's gone. So then later, uh, Patrick, whatever, the complaining guy goes up to Leon. He's like, oh, you're, you know, you're a hero. You know, that was hero level stuff you did, you know, surviving the sub. And, you know, Leon's like, no, whatever. He's like, you, you know, you've influenced a president into, you know, setting the course that he's going to be taking for years. And then uh, the president, you know, he's he's like saying bye to everyone. He gets, gets on the plane. He sees Leon from afar, gives him the head nod, and Leon, and Leon <laughs> nods back at him. And then we see uh, Defense Secretary Wilson. He's still alive. He manages to take an inhibitor, and he has like this briefcase, and it says Tricell on there. So this is back when Tricell was still around, I guess. Because I think they were taken down later. So then Leon's talking to Claire. And, you know, he's like, they're saying something. She's like, when are you going to stop treating me like a kid? And he's like, I don't know. And she asks about the chip. She's like, uh, she's like, I want you to make a copy of that so I can give it to all the newspapers. And he's like, I can't. And she's like, what? So she's not happy with this. She's like, so she's like, so that's how it's going to be. You do your things your way and I do things mine. And he like doesn't say anything. She's like, okay, fine. She starts walking away. And she's, then she turns around. She's like, like I said before, that outfit doesn't suit you. And Leon, you know, so she just leaves. Then he, like, he has a chip in his hand. He looks at it. He's like, I'll stop this. And then he walks back to the White House. And that's how it ends. So, uh, I mean, overall, I mean, as far as these movies go, I, I like it. You know, I, I would say, <clears throat> and even though it's not a movie, it's a series, which it's really a movie. So I would say it's, it's on par with the other three CG movies. So I, I recommend watching all of them. And you, so again, this is on Netflix. It's a Netflix original, but uh, you can watch the other movies. You can rent the other three movies for like four bucks, or you can buy them for like 13 bucks, or you can listen to the description of, of them full spoilers on uh, the, the secret podcast. So if you're a resident evil fan, it's, it's a no brainer. You know, you're going to want to see these movies because it was pretty good. So, or did these, yeah, those movies and this show, even though I spoiled everything, but some people like that. So it was good stuff. Um, I, I liked, like I said, I, I liked the format, even though it was weird that they split it up when it could have just been a movie, but that's fine. And now it is time to talk about Marvel's Black Widow. I guess that's what they're calling it. Uh, this, so this is the movie feature. Uh, uh, so I'm always hesitant because I don't like spoiling things about the movies because you know this is something that I do feel like people need to watch. So here, here's the thing: the, the the problem with this is in our current state of situation where you know 
theaters are still closed. People aren't, you know, or if theaters are open, people may not be going to them and so forth. Um, the movie has like a $200 million budget. And um, I think it did, if I remember correctly, I, th- I think it was like 13 point something million from the Thursday night showings. So that's that's pretty good, I think. I, don't, I forget how much uh, Fast 9 did, but then that was also like worldwide stuff. So I don't know how this movie is going to do like overall. And it, it kind of, I mean, apart from everything happening the past year and all the people dying. So this is so like minuscule or whatever, but it kind of sucks because I, I'm curious, you know, I, I would love to know how this movie would have done in a normal situation, you know, cause we we've seen the other Marvel movies like surpass a billion dollars, you know, cause like the Avengers, you know, infinity, whatever I think has uh, Captain Marvel has. So it's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm curious how this movie could have done. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic that's wrapping up, that's not going to happen so far. As I record this early, um, the box office total is at thirty-five point six million. So that's um, I, d- I don't know if that includes the Disney uh, premiere, the Disney Plus premiere stuff, because you know you can watch it on Disney Plus if you pay thirty bucks. So for some people, that could be a good thing to do because you know it paying thirty dollars could be cheaper than buying tickets for the whole family. For me, obviously, it doesn't make any sense. I spent like 10 bucks maybe for, for my movie ticket. I went to a matinee. When I buy my, t- the reason I say maybe, because um, I buy my tickets online and you have to pay like a cert, like a convenience fee or some stupid thing or whatever, which is fine. Uh, so yeah, so basically I pay, I pay like 10 bucks for my ticket, which is cheaper because it was in a smaller theater. My theater, they have like giant screens and they charge you like two bucks extra for these like giant screens, which... Whatever, I'm I'm cheap because I, I can't afford these movies, you know. So, anyways, I I but I want to support the movie, so that's why I went and um, I want the movie to do well because when I when I did like the movie, I I love the char- character, I love Scarlett Johansson, and um, I I think it's really good. So what's weird is you know I didn't I don't read reviews as you know, and that's the thing I feel with, about reviews. I think it really depends on. Yeah, I mean, if if you're reading reviews, you need to find a place that you trust, that you agree with. Because when I when I do read certain reviews, I feel like some people, not that they're trying to be like hoity-toity about stuff, but it's almost like, what are you trying to get at? And I guess my when I'm looking at a movie, my. Uh, interests might be different than someone else i'm not looking for something that's going to be like you know like a work of art or whatever i want something that's going to entertain the hell out of me and so if it's a little far-fetched at times it's if it's a little silly or if it's just you know i'm i can overlook certain things or whatever or there's other things that you know may appeal more in that but sometimes i feel like people just just whatever you know i feel like some people are just saying stuff just to try to make them sound more highbrow or whatever. Like I, there is one like review headline that I saw go by my Twitter. It's saying that like the movie was like too late or, you know, like why is this happening now or whatever? And it's like, well, one it's, it's a year late. So there's that. But then the other thing they, they might be referring to is because this movie takes place between um, civil war and um, infinity war, infinity war. Right. So, you know, it's obviously, if you've seen the Avengers movies, you know, 
Natasha is dead. So it makes sense that in order for us to get a movie with her, we have to jump back. So some people might be wondering, well, why are we seeing this? Yeah, it's it's not ideal, but things weren't lined up or whatever. I'm kind of glad that it, it is happen that it happened now because I feel like if they would have done this movie back then, we might not have had um, Florence Pugh as Yelena because I she was great. She is so awesome. And, uh, you know, I, I, I the first thing I saw her was in uh, a mid Midsummer. And then there's fighting with my family. So she's just such, she seems like she has such a, like a, and I don't know how much is real or just a persona or whatever. But, you know, I, I started following her on Instagram because my wife's like, you know, you should, you know, follow her on Instagram. And her, and she just has like this, like, very positive outlook. And she doesn't, she's like not full of herself or whatever. And, and, you know, she's seems kind of grounded. Again, I don't know how real that is or not. She's doing a great job if, what, if it's not. So, She's a very, seems like a likable person, not like, you know, like, oh, I need to, you know, make sure I, I'm always looking cool and, you know, everything. So, but she was great. And and just uh, the interaction between the two, I, I just, I loved. And it is kind of unfortunate that we can't get more. You know, it's like, could there have been another adventure with the two, you know, before, you know, Endgame and, and all that? So uh, the movie, I, I, I applaud it. And I, I think Kevin Feige has said that they've, they're kind of considering doing like other, you know, flashback movies or background movies or not necessarily origin and stuff like that. You know, just a way to, to look at different periods and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm okay with that because I, I think there's, you know, there's, there's two things, to, two ways that, you know, they obviously can go. And, you know, moving forward is important, but... You know, you're also kind of limited with with the way these movies come out because they they kind of happen in real time. So when we have, I'm trying to see what's an example. So like, like let's say, um, you know, when we see the next Thor movie, obviously there's going to be like a couple years that have have gone by from the end of Endgame to Love and Thunder. And the same thing, like, if we have another Guardians, they were just seen in there. But you get what I'm saying. So we don't see these characters every year or every two years. You know, maybe it's like every three years. And sometimes there'll be appearances in other movies and stuff like that. But time goes by. So in between that, even if it's just a year or if it's two years, what is happening to them between there? You know, we don't know necessarily how to get from here to there. You know, stuff is going on. So I'm all for seeing lost adventures or seeing what, what happens in between there. And, you know, I, I think this this movie was great. So this shows, and this is something that I was kind of talking about before. Um, I forgot when I mentioned it, if it was during the news or whatever. But I think, you know, Scarlett Johansson really captured who this, this character is. We've seen her kind of grow over the year and everything like that. And... So I, you, you really feel for her. And I, I don't know if, if I'm just getting old and sappy or whatever, but for me, there was a lot of emotional um, parts to this movie. And, you know, the whole idea, even though we, we've seen some, some elements of this in Age of Ultron, when we see her, you know, in the Red Room and, you know, being taken as a kid and forced to train and all that stuff like that, I think part of it also is being the father of a daughter and just thinking of my, you know, my daughter is basically an adult now which is crazy but the idea of just this you know child being forced to do i mean it's just it's unheard of it's it's just insane 
And I, I, that, that makes it a little harder. So the, the way the movie starts off, so there's going to be minor spoilers, um, not very many, but it's, it starts off in 1995 and we see Natasha, then uh, there's his family in Ohio. Uh, so it's Natasha, uh, Florence Pugh's character, Elena, and then their parents, David Harbour, um, Alexi, and um, Rachel Weiss. So, but then it turns out that they're like a you know Russian uh, sleeper family. They're sleeper sleeper agents or whatever, and they you know they they've lived in the small town and you know everything seems fine and because you know it's you see like Natasha riding her bike through town, waving at friends and you know going stuff like that, but then they everything gets shaken up and they have to leave. You know their their mission's over. They've been compromised or, or something like that, and. Um, so they, they have to leave. So everything is just gets shaken shaken up, and then like the the family and everything gets separate. And so at this point, Yelena is probably like six years older. I forget if if she was six or something like that. And she gets gets taken away. And um, so it's, it's just very heartbreak breaking because you know this Yelena has no idea what's going on. Natasha, you can see is is aware. You know she she kind of knows that some stuff is up, and you know she's she's can be pretty fierce, like protecting her sister, even though they're technically not even related you none of them are so and then you know obviously you know she goes through the red rooms more and everything like that and she defects the shield and, and stuff like that and you know her her idea is that you know she wanted to kill the dude in charge of the red room and everything so then it, it cuts to uh 2016 and um you know, so this is after Civil War. Natasha is on the run from the government. So we see uh, William Hurt, uh, Thunderbolt Ross. You know, he's, you know, after her and everything like that. And while in uh, Morocco, Yelena is, you know, she's working with the Red Room. There's like other um, Black Widow agents. And they're, they're going after like a former Black Widow who escaped she gets to her and you know they're, they're fighting and then this other one has this spoiler she opens like this sprays her in the face with this like red dust stuff and and she's just like kind of dazed and everything like that and it, you can see it, it does something to her because like her it like you know you see it reacts with her her pupils and her face and everything like that so apparently what this does it removes the red room's control of her so even though she uh, killed this this lady who had these other vials, she managed to free Yelena. So then Yelena's like, so now she's got these extra vials. She like digs into her leg and pulls out like a tracking chip, and she takes off with all with the extra vials. And then she sends them to a safe. She's trying to send them to Natasha because she figures you know Natasha is like the big superhero, so she'll you know be able to do something with it. And then that's eventually how. Natasha gets pulled into it and you know um she's actually she's like out in Norway and hiding and <laughs> you know she's working with this like supplier dude and you know he's like oh I you know I, I got your mail at the Budapest you know safe house or whatever because you know she hasn't been there and she's like oh just dump it so she but she has to take her garbage to town so she's driving it in and uh you know other other reason whatever and then she gets attacked by Taskmaster so um, I'm kind of jumping around, and I, I don't know. I'm I don't necessarily want to get too deep into the plot wise because I don't want to spoil too much. But 
we need to talk about Taskmaster. Because Taskmaster is a character that I love. I, I think Taskmaster is really cool with his photograph, photo reflex, whatever you want to call it, all that stuff. And uh, so he's, he, you know, because we, we, we see Taskmaster before, like, looking at footage and training and stuff like that. Because, you know, Taskmaster can copy any moves. And, you know, there, we see Taskmaster with, like, a shield. There's another point where he's, like, he's got Taskmaster has, like, uh, Black Panther claws and everything. So when Natasha's fighting Taskmaster, and she has no idea who this person is, and and it's a it's it's pretty brutal because at one point they're even like mirroring each other, like their their stance. So like Taskmaster's clearly been either watching footage of her before or just watching her now, and just like mimicking. Because I, I I forget if she says someone says it's like fighting a mirror because you know you see you know how identical it is. So things get you know pretty intense with all, all that. Um, Yelena and Natasha eventually reunite, as you see in one of the trailers, and their uh, their banter, just their their interaction, it's just it's so great. So Yelena, I I don't know how to describe it, and there's there's something about it, like with her accent and just with her outlook and everything, because you know, so now she's she's free, you know, she's been under the Red Room's control all this time. And one part I love, you know, her in this car, and she's talking about her vest. That she's like, "This is like the first thing I actually bought for myself." And she's like, "You know, look at it. Look how cool it is. And, you know, it has all these pockets and everything." She's like, "I even like added some more. You know, made some modifications." And uh, Natasha's like, "Yeah, whatever type of things." And then then later she's like, "Well, yeah, this is kind of cool." She's like, "Yeah, I told you. Yeah, this is cool." And you know, so she's so, so proud of her vest, and it's just like little, you know, it's it's so silly, and you know, it's meant for the comedy thing, and it is kind of funny. There's there's a, a quite a bit of humor mixed in here but i in my opinion i don't feel like it's ever like really forced humor so i i think it really works out and you know there's there's a lot of stuff like david harbour with his character and you know there you know he's kind of there for comedy relief too but his um you know being a uh, red guardian you know the, there's some aspects of, of that with you know him being russia's super soldier and uh, but I, I feel like with them that there's still a lot that we don't know. Like we don't know his whole story. Like wh- why did the Russian government treat him the way they did and, and everything? So it basically becomes like this thing is like okay, they have these vials that could free the other you know other black widows, and basically you know they need to try to replicate it and you know make more or whatever, and you know they need to stop the red room because the red room is is active again somehow like how natasha burned it to the ground so you know we have that aspect and then there's a taskmaster aspect and and stuff like that so and and plus the fact that uh thunderbolt ross is after natasha as well so there's there's kind of a lot of pieces going on but it's not like too much it's like just enough to kind of you know mix things shake things up and keep things going and and you know whether there's betrayals here or there and other things happening so i just i really enjoyed it all around and um just there, there's just a lot of parts where you see the stuff that black widow is going through you know that the fact that you know she was you know she was abandoned as a child you know she was left in the streets she you know she's talking when uh when she's talking to yelena about like her real parents or something like that and you know the fact that they the way that they've just been used and trained and forced to kill like all these people or whatever and so you you kind of feel for that 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 tragic part. So even though you know Black Widow's always like such as like cold and tough character, you can see that 
she is still hurting with it. You know, she's not a robot that can just like wipe everything away. It's it's still there. You know, she still thinks about all this stuff. So it's it's you know it's a good balance of seeing kind of like that that softer vulnerable side while you know she's still able to um, kick butt and and do everything like that. So um, with that, I don't think there's anything more I should spoil. I mean, I would love to to go on and on some more, but I, I think we'll, we'll lead this. And um, I'm trying to remember what happened to Black Widow after this. Oh, and like, how did she, what happened after, how did she get away basically? And, and uh, I, I need to watch Infinity War again. I'm trying to remember how that starts and like where she's at when that happens. But anyways, there is an end credit scene. And uh, uh, see, I, like, I don't want to say too much. But it can, uh, it definitely sets up. I, I shouldn't even describe it. it. It does set things up, obviously. Yeah, it, it sets up like we could get more of something, which I know is super vague. When will we see uh, all this stuff? So I guess if we think about um, without giving anything away, what are our potential, when could we get possible follow-ups? We won't get anything in Shang-Chi or Eternals because that doesn't make sense. So there's a next Captain America movie, but who knows when that's going to be. There's a, well, what about uh, Hawkeye? You know, there's Clint Barton, you know, his, his involvement. And then other than that, it won't be anything in Spider-Man. So like, hmm, when could we see something going on? So we'll have to, to wait. But it's, uh, it's, it's definitely worth seeing. So I would say if you feel safe and you are able to, I would definitely say go to a theater and, and watch this movie. You know, I, like I said, I want this movie to be successful. And um, I, I just really in, enjoyed it. This is definitely a movie that I am going to buy, like when it, it comes out. On, uh, and you know, I'll probably get the steel book and everything like that. I, as much as I want to support it, I don't necessarily want to pay 30 bucks to stream it on Disney Plus. It is going to be available on Disney Plus. I looked it up on October 6th. So if you're saying, I don't want to pay 30 bucks, I'm paying you know for Disney Plus already, I'll just wait till it's available. Say, so yeah, you're gonna to have to wait, uh, you know, three months or whatever. And I don't know about you. I wouldn't want to. I, I couldn't see waiting three months for a movie that's out. So either go see it in a theater, or pay the, the thirty bucks. You know, if, if if you're down with that, and you know, if you see it, watch it with a a, a a friend or two. If you watch it with two other people, boom, money earned. You know, money money back. So it, it's definitely worth worth watching. I, I really enjoyed it. And I don't know if it's because we haven't... I'm, I'm trying to think. Has it been like two years since we've had a Marvel movie? I think No Way Home. Was that the last Marvel movie? I mean, there was Venom that came out later in the year in, in 2019, but that doesn't count. So I don't think... Did we not have anything? I don't think we had anything at all last year. Because this was supposed to come out in May. And I'm trying to think like what else was pushed back and, and all that. So I could be totally wrong, but I think it's been July of 2019 was the last time we had a Marvel movie. So I don't know if it's because of that, but I really enjoyed this movie. And whether it's the characters and the actors, but 
I, you know, I, I want to see it again. And I'm, I'm ready to see it again. I kind of don't want to go to theater again. I would, but yeah. So it, I, I really enjoyed it. And, um, I think you should watch it. So other than that, I don't think there's much else for me to say. Except big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken because they are awesome supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And uh, I just talked about, like as I mentioned, the, the three CG Resident Evil movies. And... Um, Spoiler, if you're listening this far, this week's secret podcast is going to start up Vision Quest storyline in West Coast Avengers, which I'm ex- John Byrne. You know, I love the, the John 80s John Byrne's comic, so I'm excited to, to get into that. So that would be awesome if you can support. I, I hate to say it. I mean, I hate asking, but I, I lost a couple patron, patrons, 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 patron supporters. So, um, any, anything you can do to help will be awesome. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, what is happening next week? So things are, are, um, things are going to get a little, little, little tricky here. So next week, um, I'm going to have like a weird week as, as well. Um, on the, I think Wednesday, Gunpowder Milkshake is coming out on Netflix. So that's Karen Gillan movie. And, um, I, I follow her on Instagram. So I've seen like some of the stuff that she's been posting about it, like when, you know, when she was working on it, I haven't watched the trailer for it because I kind of don't want to see the trailer. I kind of want to be surprised by it, but I am looking forward to watching that. So talk about that. And then, um, on Friday, we have Space Jam, A New Legacy. So that's going to be in theaters and HBO Max. We also have Escape Room Tournament of Champions, which I'm really um, interested in seeing that, you know, because I, I saw the first one in, in theaters. And it's, you know, I, I enjoyed the movie. So I'm, I'm like to see that. I don't know if I will be able to go see two movies next week. Um, and then I was like, well, then maybe I talk about one the following week. But then on the 23rd, we have Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. And you know how excited I am to see that. We also have old M. Night Shyamalan movie. And then the following week on the 30th is Jungle Cruise. So it's just like, oh, my goodness. And then the week after that is Suicide Squad. So I, I don't know. I, I, I can't do all of these at once. And then, um, yeah, so then the 6th and the, the 13th is Free Guy. And I think there's nothing on the 20th. And then the 27th is Candyman. And then Shang-Chi. So, you know, I try mapping out these these weeks. So we'll have to see. Maybe what I might do is, like, if for the weeks that there's two movies coming out, maybe one will be, like, a week late. So... Um, and I, I know I'm just kind of rambling on now. So maybe like this next week, I don't see see both the movies. But then maybe the following week, I'll do like Snake Eyes as the main feature and then Escape Room as a second feature. And then the next week, Jungle Cruise could be like the main feature and then Old could be like the second feature. That's a lot of movies. 
I'm trying to think like cha-ching, like out of my wallet, but we'll see. So, um, and then it kind of could kind of be good for that with like the flash ending soon, uh, in a couple of weeks and, uh, you know, Loki, there's just one more week of that. Um, so, you know, we'll see. And I'm not sure if anything else is starting up, but anyways, that is going to be it. So thank you for listening. I hope you are doing well. I hope you are having a great summer. I hope, um, everything is doing, is going, going very smoothly for me. Um, (laughs) I had had a, a strange thing that happened uh, with my other job location place, but I guess we don't need to get into that. Um, so take care of yourself. Find some time to just relax, enjoy things, and make sure you remember to be good to each other. 